0: Tune into the Neil Prendeville show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Corks Red FM.
1: Watching, uh, even people who aren't interested in tennis are probably interested in the Novak Djokovic story from uh, the U.S. Open last night. I was watching it live; perhaps you did too. Is that the first time that a player's been uh, defaulted from a major championship? Uh, John McEnroe, way back in the day, uh, was also defaulted. It's a, you know kind of defaulted is kind of a nice way of saying kicked out or asked to leave and he was uh, defaulted from the Australian but in 2009 Serena Williams um, was defaulted from the US Open as well because it was alleged at the time that she threatened to kill a line judge. Uh, She got a foot fault against her in 2009 and Djokovic um, of course last night there's no intent in this he didn't intentionally uh, try and hit a, a line judge with a ball but there's no it's just the rule you know you just go you can't argue it it's just one of those things like there's no kind of warning for something like that you're just out Um, many people were very annoyed then that he also left the property as they say and didn't go to the press conference but he's issued an apology now uh, on Instagram, where an awful lot of people do their apologising online these days, he says he's feeling sad and empty, disqualified from the US uh, on Sunday for hitting a female. Now, f- female now she was hit badly. Now the ball connected with her Adam's apple, and she was struggling. So she she's recovered, and everything is fine. Uh, but um, you know, fairly, fairly. Uh, controversial scenes out of New York last night. Uh, Paperwise, this morning, uh, you've heard in the radio news of uh, a middle-aged man uh, who appeared in uh, before court district court uh, and will appear again. Um, It's a front-page story making the echo in the examiner today. The headline of the echo is man charged with making malicious phone calls to family of murder victim uh, and Olivia Keller in the examiner says man charged over threats in calls to bereaved family. Number of calls were allegedly made by uh, an old Barry from... Uh, the Cherry Tree Road area. He was up before Judge James McNulty and he's been he's been held now uh, overnight for another appearance. Um, threatening phone calls made to the family of the late Cameron Blair last last Friday evening. So that'll be an interesting one before when he's before the courts again to answer those allegations. It's leaving certificate results day to day, as if you didn't know. And they're expecting at least a four, perhaps a five percent increase in the in the results of you know the leaving certificate as opposed to people who would have sat the exam. So that in turn now is going to have a knock-on effect because it's going to increase points uh, for college. So top marks apparently, leaving cert grades, see massive surge is the front page from The Independent. If you're getting your exams this morning or you have a family member, good luck to one and all. But a particular good luck to a lad by the name of Tristan, a teenager with autism who was told that he was unlikely ever to sit any state exam. He has been offered a college place to study genetics. This 18-year-old is an incredibly uh, brave, courageous, studious academically orientated 18-year-old. Uh, and he makes the front page of the examiner with a phone call with his mam, who's Carol, obviously bursting with pride. Um, it's a super story. Um, you know, resilience uh, and hard work. Uh, papers also talk of uh, coronavirus-related stories. Of course, Saturday and Sunday, we got a bit of a whacking with regards to numbers. 138 yesterday, uh, but 231 cases uh, on Saturday. Um, most of those cases now are coming out of Dublin. And Kildare. And while that's happening, of course, next Monday the pubs will reopen. And there's still a little bit of confusion as to... The guidelines or the regulations or, you know, how many people can be in there and for for how long and what kind of distancing. So I'll come back to that. But Monday seems to be the date. And publicans, I imagine now, are as if they aren't already ready. But if they're not, they're certainly going to be gearing up this week, the three and a half thousand of them, to get their pubs open. Pubs open Monday. Nothing added but time is a headline from a red top. This This has to do, I think, with... The rule about one metres versus two metres. If you can put two metres between punters, they can stay all night. If it's only one metre between punters, it's 105 minutes. You won't need food, obviously. Um, and there'll be... There's a little bit of confusion as to whether you have to book ahead... You won't be sitting at the bar, ordering for the bar. It will be all table service. So Grin and Beer It is a headliner from one of the Red Tops. Pubs to open, but no more than six people from three homes can drink together. And there's no moving around. And there's organized queues for the loos as well. And apparently, the Independent is suggesting that you might have to book a table So we'll see if we can drill into that and get more clarity on it. But they all go chapter and verse on the new rules from pubs and all the papers today. They're anxious to reopen, though, and I suppose the publicans will take the opening on Monday regardless of the uh, restrictions and regardless of the guidelines and just be happy to get back to work there's been a hundred thousand jobs lost in tourism over the last six months according to the star this morning they're quoting the Irish Hotel Federation uh, and they're saying that with a hundred thousand jobs gone there will be at least another 100,000 jobs gone from now on uh, an extra 100,000 on top of the already lost jobs because of course Um, We're into September and the schools are back, so hotel bookings will just absolutely fall off a cliff. Papers today talk about uh, an interesting uh, update with regards to the things that people consume at festivals. All right, so it's different forms of tablets and pills and uh, cocaine and smoking weed and drinking booze, but also nitrous oxide, commonly known as laughing gas, has become a huge um, favourite with regards to music festival attendees who are treated by paramedics or taken to hospital for overdoses. And that's a story that makes the red tops today. If you're banned from driving because of drink, you're also banned from riding electric scooters, or at least in the UK anyway. Pete Doherty has been banned again. Um, He was banned from driving a motor car. He's now been banned from driving an electric scooter. Apparently, he didn't know... And when you're banned from driving a motor car, you're also banned from driving an electric scooter. And everybody's coming back to Coronation Street. By all accounts, all of the stars are getting ready to learn their lines and make it back after a long hiatus because of coronavirus. And if you want to know how to make money, it's not in stocks and shares. It's not putting money in the banks. It's buying bottles of whiskey, apparently. It's a huge money earner liquid gold in them their bottles. And the papers today tell us of a bottle of 1945 whiskey, Macallan Fine and Rare, uh, 1945 sold last week for 52 grand. Uh, and there's loads of different examples of whiskey that's fetching big, big money. If you know what to buy, uh, the Middleton Rare, for instance, is a huge big money earner. Uh, lines are open at one 104 106 There's a couple of diet-related stories that are quite interesting, particularly With all of the different diet regimes that you hear about, and you'd be bombarded with different ways to lose weight, but apparently the most effective way is to go back to the way they used to diet in the 1980s and I'll come back to that throughout the course of the morning and tell you exactly how that is line's
0: open though The Neil Prenderville Show
2: with Tesco save time and shop online simply log on to tesco.ie
1: text 0868104106 so this day week we'll have to see what happens but let's just find out and I will come back to leaving certificate I'd love to hear of texts of people and how well they've done and how you're getting on and if you've opened the results and if you're happy with it it's very difficult for the media to go out to school these days with physical distancing but we'll do the best we can for the day that's in it. but um, I was contacted uh, over the weekend um, by uh, Brian Kenny and he has the Boothouse Bar in White's Cross um, and that bar has been around since the 1700s and, and one of my fondest memories is years ago uh, in another world at another time when I worked out and around the, uh, the White's Cross area um, that's a long long time ago I have one memory of what for me was a typical Irish pub, and it was one particular day um, where I went to the boothouse ho- boot bar at Christmas time. I went to my own, uh, and I had lunch there. And there was a big roaring fire, and it was all decorated for Christmas. And they did beautiful turkey and ham, and it looked so festive. I almost thought at one stage that I had stepped back in time. And I've always had that memory in my head of what a rural pub should look like, particularly at Christmas time with a big roaring fire the turkey and ham sitting down and it just absolutely um, rang out of the true meaning of Christmas and a local pub. But of course the Boothouse and many pubs like it have been closed for the last six months but it looks like this day week that will change and Brian joins me by phone. Brian, good morning. Good morning Ian. Listen, thank you so much for your email and getting in touch uh, but rather than reading it out it's always best to have a chat. So how, how are you feeling about this day week incidentally?
3: Well, we're Fingers crossed, hopefully, you know, um it wouldn't be the first time that we were told we could open and um that you know the rug was pulled from under us, so we're just hoping that it does go ahead next Monday. Yeah,
1: but it's highly lightning now at this stage. Would you accept that?
3: That you oh, will yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Please God, please God. And are you ready? Um yeah, pretty much. We've been ready um I suppose we've been ready three times previous to this. Um you know, we've we've done all we can the places Every inch of place has been of the place has been painted inside and outside. We've no flooring down, we've safety measures put in. We couldn't be more ready now at this stage me, to be honest. Did you did you stop doing food at the boothouse? Yeah, we stopped doing food last uh December. Um I suppose to be fair it wasn't fully by choice. We had a visit from the HSE and even though we've been doing food for twenty seven years, they decided that um, because we hadn't a staff toilet, um, we couldn't continue doing food even though we had one part-time member of staff. But um, look, I suppose there are rules. There's nothing we can do. I about think that's it, so, an awful you know. shame
1: because the food there was always top-notch. Uh, so, and, and, Thanks, Neil. And imagine that food was very, very important to the business, right? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. But, so, uh, yeah, you know, you've yeah. to so when you, you know, s- when you, s- yeah, well, sometimes rules and regulations are good. Sometimes they're over the top. But you, you got in touch because when, when, when I got your email, it was before an announcement of the pubs reopening, you know?
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: And you, and you yeah. were talking about the importance of pubs like yours to the local community and also the fact that the boothouse house is around since at least 1773. Is that right?
3: That's right. That's right. We traced it back to 1773. We, we believe it's it's probably older than that, but we haven't any paperwork to to prove it. But we have um, information going back to 1773. So
1: think of all that that pub has witnessed and has seeped into yeah. its walls, you know. 1798 yeah. rebellions to begin with, uh, the Great Famine, yeah. World Wars, numerous recessions. Mm-hmm. My God, the story's mm-hmm. in there. The walls could talk.
3: Yeah I'd say so um, and you know I suppose the place itself is very resilient it's survived all these catastrophes if you like um, nobody could have foreseen what was coming this year you know that a pandemic would be what would close us temporarily and I hope like but um, you know it's nobody knows it's around the corner I suppose but you know, we've survived this long and we'll come through this as well, hopefully, and next Monday we'll be back in business.
1: And are you aware of the different types of restrictions that might be placed on the business, like with regards to one metre between tables or two metres between tables and stuff?
3: Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose we're, well, we're maybe lucky enough. I mean, the, the inside, there's actually more space inside than there appears to be outside. So what we're looking at at the moment maybe is um social distancing of 2 meters um because there's you know there's a bit more leeway um if 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 you can space people by 2 meters uh, like there's no time restriction and so on if if, if people are 2 meters apart so uh, we're hoping maybe we could go down that route, maybe.
1: And the importance of pubs like yours, there's been three and a half thousand of them, they figure, that have been closed. Do you think they'd all come back? Because in your email, you did refer to mounting debt and bills that pubs have to pay. I think you were lucky with the bank, were you?
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure he wouldn't want his name mentioned, but I, I, I'd have to give a mention to our bank manager. He's been absolutely fantastic. Um, he's been a pleasure. He has always been a pleasure to deal with, but during this, he's been fantastic. We, um, he actually rang us the day after we closed. We didn't even have to contact him. He got in touch to ask us if we wanted a moratorium on, on our mortgage, which was, you know, it lifted the weight of the world off our shoulders, to be fair. But, um, as regards, as regards, you know, some of the other pubs, definitely, they won't all reopen, unfortunately, Neil. Because um, I suppose a lot of pubs have been under pressure prior to this. And, you know, this was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, it's, you know, like any other business, it's it's been tough um, for the last number of years. But, you know, this is the final nail in the coffin, unfortunately, for, for a lot of those 3,500 pubs. Thankfully, I think, Stand we're not one of those. We will be reopened, hopefully. But, um Definitely, there are quite a few that won't reopen. Well. You
1: would, of course, believe that pubs should never have been sh- closed or, or should have opened when the gastro pubs opened, is it?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, we had no issue with closing. Um, everyone had to do their bit. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it, 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 it was and continues to be a very serious situation, obviously. And, you know, as I said, we were happy to roll in to get involved and to do our bit. But, you know, I, I mean, I'd have to make the point that when you look at the restrictions that have been announced this morning, they're very, very similar to the restrictions that were announced uh, 10 weeks ago when the gastro pubs and restaurants were reopening. So right, yeah. if, we're re- if we're reopening under the same guidelines why couldn't we reopen 10 weeks ago when everyone else did?
1: I suppose they say they wanted to get the schools open uh, first and see how that went. But it's very yeah, interesting that you guys can open next Monday, but people still can't go and watch a ga match. It's really weird, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's You know, I mean, look, to be fair to the government, it, it, it's very difficult. It, it's unknown territory. But uh, some of the decisions have been baffling, really, to be fair, you know. Um, there seems to be a lack of logic with, you know, with some things. Um, I mean... Yeah, you know they're they're doing their best, but they haven't always got a right. It's supposed to be fair.
1: But your pub would be a rural pub, right? So therefore, you, very, prob- very you so, probably you yeah. probably would have maybe a section of your clientele would be elderly who would you know go to the pub for a lot more than just having a pint or a small one, right?
3: Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, um, particularly uh, particularly Sunday night. I mean, the Sunday is an interesting day. Us normally we have. You know, we have a good crowd in the evening, normally kind of a younger kind of a crowd. Um, people who would be working. we'll say, uh, uh, most of them go then between eight and nine o'clock because they're working on a Monday morning. Then after nine, we get the, the Sunday night crowd and the old fellas, as they call themselves, In and, you know, you, you have the same crowd every Sunday night. Most of them would be retired. They all have their same seats. They all know each other. Um, they're, you know, they're in for a couple of points, but it's not that. It's it's the company and, you know, the chat and catching up with each other and so on. Um, and, you know, I've been in touch with, you know, several of the lads since we closed, several of of our customers in general, particularly Sunday night, the older lads, and you know it's very difficult on them. The, a lot of them feel very isolated. And um, I mean, a Sunday night in the boathouse might be their own and uh, their only outing in the week. That's right. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 very hard. You know, they they don't have anything to replace that at the moment. So
1: Yeah, so they you know, they, they lost stuff. that link with the community. On top of that, of course, uh, n- no weddings, no funerals, no christenings, no yeah. birthday parties. Nothing like that yeah. being celebrated in pubs. Do you think that it will go back to the way it was, though? I mean, do you even think that people will be comfortable
3: going back into a pub? It's yeah, it's it's, it's a good question, Neil. Yeah, I, I I know the friends of mine um, would love to have gone for a few points in the last few weeks since the gastro pubs and restaurants reopened, but they just don't feel comfortable or feel safe at the moment. It's uh, it's 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 a big issue because. You know, I know things have become more relaxed, but COVID is obviously still there. There's there's large numbers of people still getting still getting sick every day. So you know, people are people are still very worried. Um, so it, 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 I think it, eventually the pubs, at some stage, will go back to where they were, but it's going to be a long, long time. I think, really, to be honest. Okay,
1: but at least this is a a good day. It's an optimistic day in the sense that a week today, you'll get to yeah. unlock the front door for the first time in six months. Yeah.
3: For yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know we, we, we take all the good news we can get, and, and this is the best news we've got in a long time. So we're you know we're just bursting. We're ready to go now. Um, it's been a long time. Um, you know, as you know, when, when when you're self-employed, you're kind of working all the time. You're you're you rarely have a day off, and unfortunately, we've had uh, twenty five weeks off. But how do you, you know, feel? How did you fill your time?
1: Me, do you mind me asking? Just on a personal note.
3: To <laughs> well, um, I have I have a dog, Neil, and I uh, say <laughs> six months ago he was probably he was probably about a foot taller than he is now because he he's after three long do- three long walks a day. But um, I look, you, you do your best, you know, and, and you just you keep going the best you can. So right. You try and you just try and get into a routine, you know, and just.
1: I thought you, you know, might have been yeah. I thought you might have been up looking after the thatch on top of the roof or something like that, <laughs> no, retaching <laughs> the roof a bit of that as well. <laughs> Not this time, but shortly, it's, uh, there's few enough of those pubs left now that's roof though
3: um, yeah not so many not so many but um, you know it is, um, it's, it's, it's a nice feature of the place and, uh, there are still you know, people and, out
1: there who thatch and repair and renew do they
3: yeah there are yeah, yeah they're, they're kind of they're harder to come by but um, uh, we have to be fair we have a very good thatcher who, who does our work for us he has a waiting list of about three years <coughs> so <laughs>
1: All right. Well, listen, I'm happy to catch up with you this morning and maybe we might talk again this time next week and see how things go. All right. Brilliant. Thanks a million needs. Cheers, so Brian. Much. All the best. That's Brian Kenny from the Boothouse Bar opening again. I don't think they would ever been closed between 1773 and last March. So that's uh, an interesting development this morning. This day week, the pubs are open. In spite of that, the Vintners uh, are still demonstrating and will demonstrate this morning, I believe, outside uh, Michael McGrath's office and Minister Mike, uh, Simon Coveney's office, I believe. And amongst them will be um, uh, Michael O'Donovan from the Vintners. Michael, good morning. Is that good demonstration morning, going right. ahead?
4: Yes, we're just gathering here now in Carrigaline, Neil. Why bother?
1: I mean, you're opening next
4: week. Um, I'm not so sure on that, Neil. Uh, What's been said is that... um they're issuing a roadmap next week. That's not exactly saying that they're going to give us a date uh, to open next week. Um, that could be a date into the future is what we're um, kind of hearing. And also, there's look, we've been up this road three times before. Uh, when they do give us the date next week, um, you know, there's nothing to say that, uh, that that mightn't come true again. So this is why we're going ahead with our demonstration today, because... Uh, we saw why then
1: Why then are all of the newspapers actually stating September 14th? Government have set next Monday as the day pubs can open under their best case scenario plan.
4: Well, Neil, what they've told us and look, what we've been led to believe is that the roadmap has been issued next Monday. So I think it's slight confusion. Like if they if they wait till next Monday even and tell us that we can open next Monday, pubs won't be in a position to open next Monday because they won't have stock in. And like, I'm I'm fairly confident that no pub is going to order stock this week um, to be opening on Monday in case that roadmap is issued and it says it could be a date into the future. So we looked over the coming days, hopefully we we'll get clarity on it. But as it stands right now, all we know is that all they're going to do next Monday is issue a roadmap for the future. And that roadmap would then give the date, is it? Yes, that's our understanding of it.
1: OK, so you, you believe that the media are jumping the gun announcing that Monday is the day then?
4: I think so, yes. Uh, from from what we understand, it's the roadmap will so be... So you're saying it won't one. be next... Are you saying then it won't be next Monday? Well, look, Neil, until we see the roadmap, they could issue the roadmap Monday and say we can open straight away. But, look, even if, we, if that was the case, pubs wouldn't be in a position to open on that day because they wouldn't have stock in, they wouldn't have staff back. But, look... We would welcome, obviously, if they come out next Monday and say we can open next Monday, pubs would be in a position to open probably during the week then.
1: Because my understanding of it was that document, that roadmap, it's 25 pages, was leaked over the weekend and was seen by the press, and they're publishing it uh, this morning uh, and online yesterday, talking about one metre distance, you can stay for yeah. 105 minutes, two okay. metre distance seated, you can stay all night.
4: Neil, the, 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 yes, it, it was, I suppose, put out by RT yesterday that they got the the, the draft copy. And like I emphasise, it's just a draft copy. Anybody that read the, the letters from Neffet to the Cabinet over the last couple of weeks, those, that draft copy was in that letter. So it's nothing new to see that. It's just I think media have been uh, picking up on it over the weekend. And I think since RT went with it, it's, it's, it's obviously got very... Um, I suppose, popular over the weekends, But from our uh, standpoint, there's nothing new in, the, in those uh, guidelines that were issued. We've seen that in the nested letter, as I said. So, like, all we, all we want, really, is for the government to clarify the date and let us open. Because from the, the guidelines, as you've seen, uh, the only difference between pubs that are open now and pubs, say, the, the pubs that are closed is a nine euro plate of food, so, like, we're just asking, please let us open. Give us the guidelines. The guidelines will be difficult to follow. It will be hard. But, look, we will follow them. And hopefully in, say, months to come, if we get uh, better control of the virus, um, these guidelines might be in a position to be relaxed as we go forward. OK, so
1: what, what, what do we know? We know that when you... Um, first of all, do you have to call ahead and book a table? Or can you just arrive at your local on spec?
4: Well, you, you could do both. But, uh, look, the vast majority of the bars that are still closed would be, uh, just like myself, 99% of our business would be people would come in on spec. So, like, the only time that we would really have bookings is if we had a, a birthday party or, you know, um, some kind of a celebration. But, um, unfortunately, in these times, we can't do them because we can only have a maximum of a table of six and no formal gatherings so like, what would a bigger
1: pub do, say one of the bigger pubs? Actually, the bigger ones are probably open, to be quite honest with you, because they're, the, by and large, doing the, food, right?
4: Yeah, and they all have reservation systems, the vast majority of them, so they're they're well okay. able to, to follow it. It's the pubs that are closed wouldn't have those reservation systems, so we will have to record the, the people um, for contact tracing when they come in, hold it for 28 days, which, look, there's a lot of administration involved in that. But look, we said... Give us the guidelines, and we will open. And just look, we will follow them. So that's all we're asking for is uh, for, I suppose, the, the Department of Health to really issue these guidelines. Okay, but just let's look at them because
1: if if they've been leaked, they've been leaked. So you take the name and telephone number of the person coming in. No difference there to the gastro pubs. There would be a strict queuing system for toilets. Um, and a limited number of people in there at any one time for distancing. So that might need a, a staff member. Uh, separation of two metres between tables would mean that people could stay all night. Um, if it was one metre, then it's 105. No more than six people to any one table mustn't be from more than three different households. Is that your understanding of it? Only table yes. service, no standing at the bar, no going up to the bar to order.
4: Yes, that, that's that's similar to what's there at present yeah. for the bars that that are operating Neil, so
1: no late bars everyone has to be out for eleven thirty I think is it
4: yes, that's in the in the draft proposals, and look as I emphasize Neil, these are the draft proposals. Uh, by the time they're published, as we I suppose saw with the original guidelines, things changed so like, um, it's very possible that the department or Nefit could change things in these guidelines because these are the ones that have been, okay. I suppose, in that Nefit letter, for, as I said, for the last so number So you're
1: very, very cautious about the, the, the date or the time, but you're in a much better situation than you were a few weeks ago when the story was knocking around that the pubs wouldn't be open until next year
4: Oh, absolutely, Neil. Look, we look. We're we're taking baby steps at the moment, and look. Hopefully, next Monday, when this roadmap is issued, we'll get, I suppose, an even better picture of what's happening. But look, until next Monday, we're we're still living in un- uncertainty. So that's why we just need to, I suppose, our members are frustrated at this stage because. At the end of the month, for a lot of them, is going to be a serious problem when the moratorium on the banks ends. Because, look, most of the bars that are closed are family bars. There's mortgages involved uh, with people. So there's a lot of stress at the moment with the uncertainty of what's happening. And we're just asking the government to please give us some clarity in, in regard of all of this.
1: OK, so a cautious optimism then because you're not sold on next Monday being opening day. And, um, wh- wh- you know, I know that you're, you're protesting or demonstrating outside Michael McGrath and Simon Coveney's offices. Are they inside or are you expecting
4: to meet them? Um, well, look, we just found out uh, over the weekend that unfortunately Michael McGrath is in Dublin today but his brother Seamus will be there um, so we're, we have letters for both offices to hand in on behalf of the, I suppose, number one the publicans here in Cork but I suppose even on behalf of the publicans nationally but um, uh, we, we're, we we hope that Minister Coven will be in his office this morning OK, and
1: what, and what is that letter saying? Uh, let us open, we're responsible people Uh, we can do the right thing, is it? Absolutely, Okay, okay, okay. All right, stay in touch. Much obliged, Michael, as always. I'll I'll let you get back to it. Appreciate it, as always. Michael O'Donovan, uh, Cork City Vintners Federation officer and himself uh, a publican at the Castle Inn on the South Main Street. Text 868104106 Back after the break.
0: Talk to Neil printerville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one zero six. 106
1: Red FM. So, an ever-evolving story, in spite of what you see in the papers this morning, the vintners are saying, yeah, Monday they may issue guidelines, but they don't think they'll be opening on Monday unless there is some additional an announcement made in the coming days because pubs will need time to order in stock and what have you. But at least we keep moving on this roadmap through COVID 19 and the coronavirus and today for many thousands is leaving certificate results day they never got to sit the exam many of them were whipped out of school way back in March they didn't have their exams they didn't have their deb's they didn't have to didn't have an opportunity to say goodbye and this morning of course was the day that they were uh, some not necessarily looking forward to because it's a very very worrying day and you'll have a sleepless night before it that's for sure and let's see how Katie got on Katie good morning morning how are you
5: good happy uh, yeah very happy actually
1: they're saying that um that results were marked up um would you agree with that um yeah
5: m- yeah maybe in, in some yeah definitely
1: yeah so what was it like uh, over the past couple of days worried sleepless nights
5: anxiety? oh yeah definitely definitely very re- like it was very very stressful but I think the fact that we were able to get them at home was a lot less stressful because you didn't have, like, everyone being like, oh, what did you get? What did you get? You know? And, like, if you were one of those people that didn't obviously get what you wanted and then someone asks you, the, like, that question, like, one of your friends or something, you it obviously upsets you. So when you're at home, it was kind of less stressful, but definitely to build up to it.
1: So what did you, you do? 100%. Like, there's no one going to schools at all to pick up results, no?
5: Um... No. Well, we were, we were told we weren't going to come to school at all. Like, we had to just get them online.
1: Okay. What school do you go to?
5: Uh, Balvihan. Nice one. Balvehan. Okay,
1: so what happened? You logged in at 9.01, is it?
5: Um, They were actually out at 10, uh, 10 to 9. So, we just, I, one of the girls just texted me, was like, oh, I got my results. So, we just all logged in then at about 10 to 5 to 9. And they were just there, it just literally has your... Your o, if you've done ordinary level, your O1, your O2 or whatever, or your H2, your H1, and then you just add them up yourself and you get <laughs> your point. And, and
1: did you do... And were you on your own in a room doing that or was there people standing over your back?
5: Um, My mom was there, but I didn't tell her I was doing it. I just kind of chagged it and then I was just like, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. How did she react?
5: She was happy with my results, actually. She was actually a lot happier than... I was more surprised... At, like what I got because I didn't expect to get what I got, and then she was obviously a lot, like she was a lot happier than that. What what I was because I was still in shock.
1: And do you need points for something?
5: Uh, yeah, I'm trying. To, uh, I was hoping to next see.
1: And when will you know as to whether you have the points or what you'll be at? You know, what...
5: um, our offers will start coming out on Friday, so the first round of CAO offers will come out Friday morning.
1: And do you think you have enough? I hope so. Because they think that maybe the points will be higher now because the results yeah. are higher, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. So you have a bit more worry and stress now and waiting. Yeah.
5: Okay. Well, we got, we got the hardest part over with them. Oh, absolutely. So now.
1: Yeah. Well, you're telling us you got more and a better leaving certificate than you expected, which is great. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Exactly. I mean,
1: you'd take that all day long, wouldn't you?
5: Yeah, 100%.
1: Okay. But today's going to be a different day regarding celebrating with your pals, right?
5: Definitely.
1: Had you yeah. anything planned?
5: Uh, we actually had a a pub in town booked. We booked it a couple of weeks back. Because um, my year is fairly small. So we were we just said, oh, because we're small enough, we'd be able to kind of, obviously not sit together somewhere, but we'd be able to kind of book a few tables somewhere that were all in one area, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah,
1: at six uh, at each had, table, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. food.
5: So we yeah. had... Um, we had a, a pub booked in town, um, and they took our booking for Monday night.
1: Yeah, what pub was that? Um, uh,
5: the Woolshed.
1: The Woolshed. Okay, I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know it.
5: And um, so we had that pub booked, and um, we uh, booked or whatever. It was fine. The, com- the we all paid it like if people up up the tables to pay the 12 year deposit, mm. but then they rang two days later and said that they weren't open on Mondays, which I thought was kind of weird because I said, oh, if they're not open on a Monday, why would you take bookings for tables on a Monday? Mm. If you work somewhere, you know the days you work, you mm. know your opening areas, your closing areas. So why take a booking for a Monday if you're not open on a Monday? Mm.
1: Mm. And they're if not they're open off- today, are they at all, no?
5: I have no clue, but um, one of the girls got an email off them to uh, to confirm their bookings still. So, uh, like, if you aren't open and you cancel a booking, they shouldn't have a confirmation email.
1: Well, I think it'd be, it'd be very, call. very strange if they cancel leaving certificate bookings and they're open today, but we'll have to find out whether they are or not. Yeah. Like, last well, I Friday, I was talking with students who had booked Reardons, and Reardons were coming yeah. back to the, many of them saying, I, I know that it can be a messy night. Do you, think, do you think with COVID and a messy night and leaving cert results... Is a good enough reason?
5: Well, yeah, that's true. But I think, uh, to be fair, some pubs are just painting all leaving their students with the same brush, saying, oh, every single leaving their student is going to go out, they're going to be messy, they're, because of COVID, they're going to be, like, they're not going to be social distancing, everything like this. But not every, not all of us are the same. Yeah,
1: I You know, know, some
5: of us just genuinely want to go out with a few friends, have a bit of food, have a few drinks, and then go home.
1: Yes, yes,
5: yeah. Because it's not, it's not as if, like, we had any... It's not as if we've been out every single night. It's not as if we had a graduation to celebrate. Or, like, most of our debts. Like, my debts now uh, has just been pushed back, but most people's debts have been cancelled. Yeah, yeah, They won't have a debt. They're going into college. They're literally going from school... They end school in March. Straight, like, six months off, straight into college. That's right. They and, won't no, have and, a and no proper breakup answer.
1: or anything, yeah.
5: Exactly. They won't have a debt. They won't have, like... F- there's no debts. We've no graduation... Um, like we we had nothing. Like obviously there was a good enough reason not to have it, but it's just the fact that some pubs now are raising their age limit, just so that we can't go out and have even just a bit of food or a few drinks with our friends to celebrate.
1: That's right, Uh, Reardon said it's over 21s, but can I just read out a few texts, actually, from Friday's programme? From someone who used to work in the bar industry, bars are not taking bookings for leaving certs to avoid trouble by implementing guidelines and control. They're saying that the guidelines and control would be, they wouldn't be able to implement them with, you know, 18, 19-year-olds drinking. Leaving cert night is notoriously a very messy occasion that most bars try to avoid anyways. And given the current circumstances, it could be an absolute disaster of a night if Leaving cert all had bookings and bars for the night. There would be mad scenes around the city. And that's from someone working in the bar industry. That's that's uh, an interesting take. And what do you make of that?
5: I can see where they're coming from. But as I said, they're just painting all Leaving Cert students with the same brush. And especially, like I think, because of COVID, I think more people are kind of becoming aware that oh you can't be messy like you when someone tells you to leave like when your time limit is up, like you have to leave, you know. It's just part of like I think even like all like me and all my friends and like people that I know, like we're all we're all scared, like obviously as everyone else like you all, always have that fear going out like of mm-hmm like even even if you're just going out for food like oh someone in here might have it someone in here might get it I know but not like, all, not everybody's like food. that
1: though even not everyone of your yeah, generation yeah, is everyone, like that yeah. not
5: everyone is but you know you can't like you can't kind of say oh uh, all evening students are going out it's going to be so messy you know that type of way because some people are genuinely just going out do you think to that
1: even, tonight? Like, yeah celebrate yeah, to, their friends yeah and do it and do it responsibly do you think yeah, that, that, that tonight then there'll be an awful lot of big house parties instead
5: To be honest, like, I can see there being a few, but I think more people are kind of urging to go out than to stay in a house.
1: So what are you going to do when you're buddies tonight?
5: Um, We have a a pub book for six o'clock.
1: And do Um, do you have 105 minutes there, is it?
5: Yeah, I think it's, yeah, 105 minutes. And then after that, I... I think we're just going to end up going home. We have, like, most pubs are walk-ins. We could, like, we could try go to a walk-in, but if but they take us or not, we don't know. Yeah. So it's just kind of a risky take, and if not, we're just going to all end up going home.
1: Mind you, if you go into the one you're going into for 105 minutes, you have to have a meal, and then if you go and try and do a exactly. walk-in somewhere else, you'll have to have another meal. Exactly. Mind you, people are ordering the food and not eating it, you know, that kind of thing.
5: Yeah.
1: So you're on the clock for your Leaving Cert celebration tonight, then? Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll get some more calls on this. But listen, congratulations on the results. Good luck with the CAO and stay safe and have fun tonight, whatever you do. All right.
5: Thank you so, so much.
1: Take care, Katie. Uh, Just about the results night, myself and my friends had a place booked in town that was for 18s. But when we told them it was for our Leaving Cert result night, they told us that they were closed, um, which they aren't. I'm sorry, but it's a complete and utter disgrace. It's bad enough we didn't get a graduation or anything at, at all and all the last months that we'd put up with over COVID. Morning, I work in town in hospitality for a long time. Reardons have always been 21s, except for their college nights in Havana's. They're simply reminding people of the age group. Um, I'm believing so students, nearly like nearly every other Cork student, ...and their friends, we had decided to go out and celebrate our results. We had also booked Reardon's and we were contacted by them. We were told that the place was strictly 21's on Monday night. I'd normally never voice my opinion on a situation like this... But I think it's extremely unfair and unjust. We're all being tired with the same brush. I don't see an issue with leaving CERT students going out to celebrate on Monday night, as it is the only thing we've been able to celebrate together. There's no graduation, no holidays in the summer together, no leaving CERT, no debs. And now we're not allowed to celebrate our results. If Reardon's were going to stick to the rules as implied by the government, why is there any issue with catering for leaving CERT students? It's just the same as anyone else going out for a bite to eat and a couple of drinks isn't it? Um, did Reardon's in previous years uh, allow Leaving Certificate Recipients party? Um, and if the answer to that was yes, um, why is it different this year? You might say it's because it could be an extra messy year uh, because of uh, Leaving search partying uh, during COVID-19. Text 0868104106 Pick up the phone on 1850-104106. we are back after the break.
0: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. So
1: the new drink and food regulation that everybody got up in arms about last week, so that's completely useless now. If when the pubs reopen just to serve drink, why would they still need to be taking details of what people ordered in a restaurant and keep it in file with your name and your uh, mobile number? So uh, things are changing very, very quickly. When the pubs open for drink regulations regarding what you eat and keeping your details so that's not needed anymore talk about things um, you know uh, changing so quickly I've now been told by um, there's a a, a student that was due on this morning who says uh, I was due to be on with you this morning regarding Reardon's Reardon's cancellation of bookings for the Leaving Certs but Now things have changed and Reardon's have decided to open upstairs for Leaving Cert students and we managed to grab an upstairs table. So there's no need for me to come on and fight my case on the air. But I'd appreciate if you could uh, give us a shout out to St. Patrick's girls who got fantastic Leaving Cert results this morning. So well done to all. We got their leaving certificate results. And well done to you girls if you managed to nab a table upstairs in Reardon's. They had a bit of a policy change of heart. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines we go. And uh, I know that Seamus was chatting last week uh, quite some detail with Phil, who spent a couple of weeks in the COH. She joins me by phone. Phil, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. How are uh, you? I'm well, but more to the point, how are you? Did you have a stroke? Um
6: No. Uh, well, that's the, the results of my diagnosis. But my daughter died. She was only 41. I know. From a stroke. Yeah. My parents both had strokes on both their sides. My father died young. But, y- you see, age doesn't come into it. I mean, I had been in the coronary unit before that, two weeks before. And, y- you know, you're, you're just treated... You know, for that ailment, so it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. But okay.
1: At the, the so you were five weeks between the the coronary unit, the stroke stroke unit, and then into a geriatric ward. Am I right? Yes. Okay. That, and and right. your worry and your upset has to do with the geriatric ward. Yes. Okay. So talk talk us through that.
6: Now, um I can only speak for what I saw, Neil, in the ward I was in, which was 1A. And I was transferred there, um, oh, the um, night before I came home. Uh, I wouldn't have stayed there another night anyway.
1: Would you not? Why?
6: No, oh, absolutely. No. I was put into this ward, or room, sorry. Uh, and the first thing I got was the smell.
1: Describe it so, to
6: me. Uh, it was, well, what I think now it was was sewerage. Could be wrong. But when I went into, I didn't even unpack, I didn't put anything into the locker because the room was not cleaned. Do you know, when you get a, a blood test, they put a bit of cotton wool and a plaster over it. So they were on the floor next to the bed. The bed had been changed. There was clean bedding. And then I went into the bathroom.
1: But there was bloody bandages on the ground.
6: Well, you know, the bit cotton, cotton
1: wool. And with blood? Yes.
6: Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, to, uh, the bed was broken, you know, the bars didn't come up.
1: So um, an elderly person could fall out of it, yeah. Yes, yeah.
6: but, you know, equally, yeah, you know, the, the young and the old, small child, you're afraid they're going to fall out. And then the elderly, you kinda go of back to your childhood in a way. Things are the same.
1: So, But this uh, ward was a geriatric ward only for elderly? Yes. Okay, okay. And it
6: was I. Well, where I was, was um, I only met females, so I don't know if it was mixed or not. Male. Okay, okay. But yeah, I went into the shower, uh, when I saw the shower, I just I couldn't even have a wash. You no, know, I had a, I had a shower before I left the other place, but I was in the stroke unit so yeah. you know I was yeah. team But f- first thing that I saw was rent kill under the sink, you know, b- b- mice or rats or whatever, which I understand, but I didn't think it should have been so visible. Two was the shower. No, this is a geriatric unit. There was no seat. There was one small bar. I have more than that in my own home. And there was uh, a used hospital gown on the floor of the shower.
1: Just discarded there. Yeah, just thrown down the, the you know the, the, the base of the shower. You said there was no floor. seat, but there was a seat on the toilet, wasn't there? Yes. Okay, there was yeah, okay. There was no chair in there, or whatever. Yeah. Okay.
6: No. And then I just said that gone. there was
1: you said there was grime around the sink and a medical gown discarded on the floor
6: and the, the cotton wool and you know the little plaster they put over it when they take blood swab and plaster
1: in the toilet as well.
6: No, that was in in okay. Where, okay. next to my bed. Okay. And, um,
1: and what's I the cleaning? Said, what's the, guess, the cleaning regime in there? What did you see? Much cleaning going on? Well, not that
6: that evening, anyway. But then I think they do the cleaning probably in the morning. So I said, "Look, I just just going to clean my teeth, and that's it. I'm going to go into bed." And the water wouldn't go down in the sink, so the sink was probably half full by the time I finished cleaning my teeth. Would wouldn't be that long. Blocked sink. Okay. So yes, and that's where I think the smell. That I got was coming from. No, I'm not a fussy person at all. I take everything as it comes, you know, whatever. But they talk about the coronavirus and this, and we have to wash our hands and wash them and wash them. And still, I'm inside the hospital, and this is what's happening.
1: And how do you know? Yeah. How do you know that the same mop was used to wash the shower units as the floor in the ward?
6: Yes, I did.
1: Did you because see... What? The
6: following follow morning, um, this um, boy, well, man, came in and he just put the mop round the floor, you know, inside the door. And then he went into the shower and he poured some liquid, as probably disinfectant or something. And then he put that mop into the shower and just two or three swipes. And that was how the shower was cleaned. Mm, mm. I mean, and I... You know, I just wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do that in my own home for heaven's sake. And it's, you know, it's me here.
1: Well, I'd be very, very worried if you found it to be dirty or unhygienic because we hear of people picking up hospital bugs and MRSA yeah. and certainly the elderly. Yeah. I'm going to come back after 10 with you, Phil, because I want to just pick up on some of the treatment that you observe with regards to fellow patients, Okay.
7: Yes. Okay, thank you for that. um,
1: This is what I want to talk about. I'll get to that just after 10. Thanks for that. We'll pick up the conversation then. The Neil Prenderville Show.
2: With Tesco, save time and shop online. Simply log on to
0: Tesco.ie.
1: Okay, with regards to the story of Novak Djokovic being defaulted from the US Open for hitting a ball, um, it wasn't intentional. It hit a line judge um, and I said that it hit her in the Adam's apple. I have been told by numerous text this morning that that is incorrect because women do not have an adam's apple imagine that i mean two different designs for that part of the body uh, for men and women no adam's apple so my apologies i should have said that he hit her he hit her with the ball in the throat if it had been a man it would have been where the adam's apple is and the woman the same area so happy to clarify that text 0868 we need to keep things straight Alright? Um, anyway, I uh, just paused my conversation with Phil just before 10 and she joins me again uh, by phone. Um, she stayed one night in the geriatric ward and signed herself out. So, Phil, okay, you there?
6: I am, but okay. I actually didn't sign myself out but the, a doctor came to me because I was moved from that single ward across a six bed ward. Mm-hmm. Probably because I actually didn't complain, but I just asked for an antihistamine, which I take every night because I have sinus problem and I have hay fever. Mm -hmm. And I was told I wasn't allowed to get that. But I said, I've been using that for 40 years or more, 13, sorry, 10 milligrams and no, I wasn't
1: allowed. Okay, well I, I won't get into that if you don't mind because I don't know what the medical protocol was with regards to your case in the hospital but but you did just stay the one night there.
6: Oh yes, because uh, the following afternoon a doctor came in, a lady doctor and the usual, you know, the same day because I was moved six times in nine days. Now, the treatment I got everywhere else I couldn't fault the CUH, the food, the nurses. It was absolutely fantastic. I was giving them, oh, better than a five-star hotel, better than a seven-star hotel. It was just going up and up porters and everything. that had to take it out, you know, for
1: procedures. But the, it changed dramatically in the geriatric ward, did it not? Oh, oh, absolutely! And was, I thought I was in a different world. And and tell me, tell me about you what you saw with regards to some these. This was a female ward where you observed yes. some of the other patients. Yes, uh, you one f-
6: lady kept going in and out to the toilet.
1: Do you want to go and feed that dog?
6: No, he, he always barks if you're on the phone. Listen. And, um, <clears throat> and she had a hospital going on her, which, you know, is open at the back.
1: This is so one she, particular elderly patient?
6: Yes. Well, this is only one of many. And, you know, I, of course, I didn't approach her to talk about that, but she was in a nappy for a reason. She was obviously afraid to go in her nappy. And then... She was crying, and I would go over, and because I would kind of be an upbeat person, and I'd make jokes and try, you know, make light of things. And I said, "What's the matter with you?" So she was after having a gastroscopy, and I had a few. I know what they're like; they're grand. And she said, so "As a tube
1: down oh. the throat, right?"
6: Yes, okay. it is. Yes, okay. down into your stomach. And she said, "I felt everything." She said, "I cried." with the whole procedure but I said they, you know you have a line in your hand in your arm and I said they give you something it's not a an anesthetic but it's a kind of forget me thing you know Yeah. Because the procedure probably lasts maybe I don't know 2 or 4 or 5 minutes and she cried the whole lot of it because she felt everything
1: she cried from pain oh. because she felt she wasn't properly sedated is it yes ok
6: And I asked her, I said, but you didn't they put something into the... Well, she said, they said they did, which maybe they did, but obviously it wasn't enough. Because this lady couldn't swallow, but you have to swallow the tube. And she said it was horrendous. And she was crying. And I said, but you should have told them to stop. Oh, she said you couldn't. You can't say anything. And everything then would go quiet. Another lady at the far end very well she looked about a hundred to me maybe she was less but frail and just everything so uh, she was trying to get out of the bed and this male nurse came in, don't you get out of that bed and she said I have to go to the toilet, He said I'll bring in a commode so he brought in the commode, he went out the door he came in, are you ready are you ready and she was saying no, she, she didn't even have a chance to go kneel
1: and but then, a curtain was a curtain was pulled around that elderly lady yeah yes it was yeah. it was yes,
6: yeah, and then another lady same um very fray looking and uh, put her lunch came, and obviously she wasn't able to feed herself. was she
1: trying she to, feed to feed herself this elderly lady she was and, she and, couldn't and why her couldn't hand she? Couldn't get to her
6: mouth, you know. So I don't know, Neil. But um, this nurse came in again, and he said, "Oh, she, you don't have to eat anything." And she said, she just said, "I've enough." And he just caught the fork and shoved it into her mouth. So the woman couldn't even
1: swallow. Do you believe and that he she, was this in a kind of a rough manner, or was it?
6: Yes, uh, very force feeding uh, and she said no I have enough so the woman
1: and when she, when she said I have enough did he stop then?
6: he did he said "Grand," he just took the place and opened the door and do you know there was just
1: well, you said for, you, you said that what your witness was force fed by uh,
6: yes you know yes that, well that's what I'd call it okay I mean somebody tried to it's like trying to do to baby you know you have to give them tiny little bits at the time yeah you can't put big forkful or spoonfuls right in their mouth and like, expect them to swallow it
1: and that's what he that's what this individual was doing yes. yeah
6: okay. yeah and you see uh, well one fear that I felt that everybody seemed to have fear And, oh yes, I was in my room the next thing I heard shouting, get into that bed and don't you get out of that bed again. Do you hear me? And she kept on and on. This was a nurse telling a lady to get into bed. Maybe the lady had had Alzheimer's or something and she didn't know what she was doing. And the lights had been turned off now and that was nine o'clock. So the shouting, And then, just opposite when I was in the first room uh, the tablets were falling picked up put into the little plastic containers off the floor Uh, wait
1: Wait a second somebody dropped tablets on the floor yes picked them up again and put them back into the little cups yes to give to people in bed from the floor yes you saw that
6: I thought, and I tell anybody anybody that knows me, I don't tell lies about things. I hate bringing this up because the treatment I had got prior to that, I couldn't raise the UH. They
1: were in, that was in different areas of the CUH. and yes. that was there. None we, we were very clear that none of that was an issue. Your observations were in the geriatric ward where you saw a yes, nurse pick tab- tablets off yes. the floor and put them in yes. the mouth of a and geriatric in, patient. You
6: know the little um, plastic containers yeah. with the tablets in the tiny
1: little plastic cups, yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. And and
6: I just thought that was all I I didn't say anything because I was absolutely I was afraid and I wouldn't be that kind of a person. You know, I would speak up but I just felt so uncomfortable. I didn't know what was happening to me. The next day I just said when that doctor came in, I said I'm going home. Oh, she said, no, you have to be discharged. Well, I said, I'm not going to spend another night here. And that's So I tried to wait for the
1: physiotherapist to come in. Did you tell them why you wouldn't spend another night there? I did. What did I you say? say did you say, I won't spend another night here because the way they treat the patients?
6: Yes, I did. Right. I'm worried that when I asked for the antihistamine, which I couldn't get, And, you know, fine. Uh, the next thing, there was a doctor came in, so he was obviously an intern, you know, doing the night shift and um, he said, no, that's cast as a sleeping tablet and we don't give sleeping tablets. I said, I'm taking that, I said, for probably 40 years. Okay. And so then yep. I did say to him, I said, look on the floor there, please, with the, the cotton wool and the plasters and then I asked him, would he go into the shower and have a look? because they said, oh yeah, that shouldn't have happened. But but I said, you know, we're being told that we have to be so careful because of this virus and this is where I am now.
1: Well, I, mean, I don't gone. know that COVID would be a problem in there but certainly infection from dirty floors or discarded yeah. swabs and cotton that wool buds with problem. blood. I mean, that's why we hear of people dying from MRSA and um, you know, exactly. hospital, hospital sure. bugs. Um, You've Take yeah. the nail the and then. But you, you said there was a lady who was in a nappy but wasn't comfortable using the nappy and wanted to use no. the toilet.
6: Yes. Because she had a hospital going on her and, you know, the back of that is open.
1: So she was well, walking around with her back exposed, is it? She was, yes. And the nappy And exposed.
6: going to the toilet, she was obviously afraid to. You know what she needed to go to the toilet. I think she was just afraid, and it's the one thing I took away from that board was the fear. And then the next day, yes, um, there was another lady, but in way younger than me. And they came in said, "Right, lights out, nine o'clock." I never in my life went to bed at nine o'clock.
1: I don't know what hospital policy is with regards to lights out time. You think nine o'clocks too early, do you?
6: Yeah. Well, it's only in the, the elderly because a lot of patients I was in the wards with, uh, there was no question that they, they the main lights would be turned off. And, you know, you could put on the, the light over your bed. Then. Yes. So the other ladies, oh, she said, I couldn't go to sleep now. She said, I have to read some of my book. I'm putting on the light over the bed. I said, Are you? She said, I am. Well I said, Look, I do it too. Which I did. And? Uh, no, they were just in. in no, there were not that much in you never saw a nurse. Well I wasn't used to that before because I had to have my my blood pressure had come
1: very low. But nobody and, came in until the next morning, is that what you say? No. Nine o'clock in the morning. Morning, you got your breakfast, yeah. But, but, you can't say with any amount of certainty that medical staff didn't come in during the night or anything. No,
6: because I couldn't sleep. I never saw them.
1: So for twelve hours, nobody came into the ward.
6: Well, I can't say that for certain. To uh, me, I didn't see anybody checking up, and we're all geriatrics
1: in that ward. Okay, but you said so, that there was there was a there was a sense of fear there
6: yes, that's the first thing I felt and the people, because I would I was mobile and I could go around to the beds and you know if I saw somebody upset one lady was putting her hand up Um, you know she wanted to be changed and yes, I would go and I said this lady up there, I said she needs to be changed and male nurse again came in Oh my God, it was just, he I, I did pull the curtain around her a bit, but the way he spoke to her was dreadful.
1: You're very upset by this still.
6: Oh yeah, I'm out over a week, I can't eat and I can't sleep but I can't get that out of my head because I always loved old people well in my day they were 50, 60 of old but because they had lovely stories to tell and yeah I always tell people, especially elderly people they have such lovely stories they could tell you and, I, uh, I, but maybe because there's no visitors allowed their families didn't know what was going on with their elderly mother, I don't know
1: So that answers the question I was going to ask. During all of this, there was no family members calling in to visit their their parent. Okay, No, not in that word. And when the lady, when the elderly lady put her hand up to be changed, you say, the way he spoke to her, how did he speak to her? Did you hear?
6: Well, no, he just, he was always kind of running, you know, as if he was doing a hundred things at the one time. And he just you know, he didn't, give her any time, he made her feel like that she was a nuisance. I know. Us. And, you know, these, it, all of us, you know, we lived life, Deal. And why should we be treated like this now? It was the worst experience I've ever had. And I will never, ever, ever again go into hospital. I don't care what's wrong with me. I just said in my chair, my sofa and I could die and I'd be happy because I couldn't ever again because I know where I'll be put into that ward and I will never again go back and my daughter will be dead 11 years now at Christmas and my life fell apart, still is and I was one night I was just thinking and thinking and I said, you know something there won't have any more pain. She won't have to get old and be treated like that. Hmm. So she's in a far better
1: place Then you would be in the years to come if you were one of oh, the women in the geriatric yes. ward.
6: And that's where I will be going now. The next time, and um, you know, I could have a fall, just something simple happened to me.
1: What? Do you, yeah. And, what? What, what and, about? What about? Somebody listening to your conversation with me now, who has a parent in that ward, should they be alarmed? Oh, sacred heart! I didn't mean to do that at all. No, no you didn't. I'm not, and no, I'm not saying that. Pe- people need to know, and and thank you for for alerting us to it. They, but
6: they do. I wonder. Yeah, that that's what I wonder. now. do you know? Is it because there's no visitors? That the nurse, so called nurses. But I, I did hear as well since, because I'm still in contact with some people that I met. And uh, they said, oh, God, when I don't go there. And visit, because lack of visitors, uh, that families maybe don't realize what their mother is going through. I don't know how she's been treated. Well, that's the way it seems to me.
1: That's what you because observed I, in your 24-hour stay, yes, in, in the sense that it was it. it was kind of disrespectful to elderly patients of that course. they were handled in a very I, abrupt manner.
6: You, I mean, just not, and I was rooms away from that room shouting, get into bed and don't you get out of bed again. You know, I, I just don't understand it, Neil, to tell you the truth. And I... <sighs> can't believe because most nurses, majority of them by far, are absolutely fantastic because I would have to have my blood pressure taken six o'clock in the morning and I had two tablets to take at that stage and that nurse would have been on her feet 10 hours of that stage. Not a two problem. Two more hours yeah, to go.
1: No she issue there.
6: Still the same yeah. as she was, yeah. in the, you know, pleasant and nice and, you know, obviously just planned the,
1: the small night. I understand, but but again, we are, you know, that that's fantastic your treatment in other parts of the hospital, well done to all that's concerned, what? but in the geriatric world did, did you feel as if um, that there the, the were a nuisance. a nuisance to the staff? Yeah. Yeah.
6: yeah, and that's what I feel, the you other, know, they were they were so afraid and I said, but you should say, oh no, we can't, we can't and they whispered it, and I was saying but you're
1: you but they should t- be treated even better than anyone else in the hospital, if that was even possible, but, because they're old and they're frail and they're, frail they're, and they're
6: fr- they frightened. Be, yes, but we all have feelings. It
1: doesn't matter what age we are, Neil. Ah, uh, yeah, but feelings. me me inside in the hospital bed, compass mentis, you know, I'm able to move around, feed myself. Somebody who was 80 or 90 or 100 years old, who was in a much more frail situation, and yes. to some end of life, they they need extra it's care started. and more...
6: And I can tell you, because I've often heard you talk about your mother-in-law. She was such a great woman. And the way, and she was elderly. Kitty, I think was her name.
1: 99, you
6: all was, pardon?
1: She was 99, yeah. yeah. What a sacred heart. I thought I was 93.
6: (laughs) But anyway, she was in her 90s. And you spoke of that woman with respect. You know, she was a person. You loved her. You cared for with your, your wife, of course, and your children. But um, I don't know how somebody could say that about an older person. And then so called carers just don't give a sugar about you. You're a nuisance. They just want to get you out of that bed. And I said, to the bars, oh, yeah, they moved the bed with me, going into the ward cross.
1: But your a bed one. with broken bars, an elderly patient could fall out of it and break their hip or break their neck. Yes. And what I, was
6: to, I said, but, oh, yeah, um, they're the old beds. We must get them fixed. So the old beds were good enough for old I know, people. I know. But I they know. weren't good enough for anybody
1: else. I know, it's terribly sad. Uh, we contacted the C O H following your conversation with Seamus on Friday and they said um, that the hospital can't comment on third-party commentary. What they're saying is that yours is third-party commentary. Uh, I would have thought that it's first person, to be quite honest with you. But they did say the health, safety and well-being of patients are of paramount importance to the hospital.
6: No, 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 no. Not in one death Definitely. Me and I'd say that with all honesty, if I dropped dead, no. No, the care was terrible there. It, they were a different breed of nurses. They were just, I don't know. And then, yeah, well, somebody told me, yes, they are. They're certainly not carers.
1: Okay.
6: It so treat you... old people very bad. Okay. And I've seen it.
1: Oh, absolutely. You're, you've, you're a witness to it. And, you know, everything Everything you tell me, you have observed seen and heard? Yes. So people need uh, to be wary of Ward 1A, the geriatric ward at the CUH. There is another
6: one, but I wasn't there. All right. So I can't comment on Because that. what
1: you saw in there, in that 24-hour <clears throat> period, has led you now to the um, decision that you'll never ever go back again and you would prefer to die in your armchair.
6: Why would course or never? because I know where I'm going to go when I... And I went the because I said to the doctor that day, the afternoon, I said, I won't be spending another night here. She said, well, you have to be discharged. And then we have to wait for the physiotherapist. Well, I said, I will be going home today. I didn't discharge myself. I eventually was told I was okay. So the physiotherapist came in and gave me exercise for my right leg and foot. And my hand, my arm, my hand... We're all strapped up because I can't use my right hand. And that seemed to have been ignored. That's where I, I had the mo- the major problem was exercise for my right
1: oh, Were you given a few hand. exercises to do at home or something? Yeah, just for my right foot. Okay, okay. Do you do you think it might be? Do you think it that it's worse now because there are no visitors going in, and an elderly patient can't tell a son or a daughter? Or something?
6: Yeah, well, I suppose that's my thinking. now over the last week, maybe it's because no visitors allowed. Even um, you're tested for the coronavirus, and I had been in two weeks previous, and I said I've already have had that test done which is awful and you know every time you come into hospital
1: you'll ah, have, yeah, have well that I test. mean I think anybody would have a problem with that but they'd have a problem with dirty floors and picking tablets up off the ground um, I do and obviously you are still very distraught about it but you need to eat, you're saying you haven't eaten in four days no
6: I can't, I just can't can't even look at food uh, it had, it had, and I would be a strong person but I can't get those people out of my mind, those women, the way they were spoken to.
1: You're heartbroken the for themselves.
6: Yes, yeah. yeah, I am, honestly, Neil. And I don't mean to sound alarm for anybody who, who might have appeared in there. But, you know, just take a closer look.
1: Yeah. They sound like I'll send f-
6: over this Oh, yeah,
1: yeah.
6: I'll yeah. sign a note. I'm telling you the truth.
1: Okay, you do need to mind your own help health, though, even if it's a case know, of trying I to will. get a shake, get a shake into yourself for a yogurt or something. Yeah, you know? I will. Yeah,
6: yeah, I will, I will, I will. But anyway, Neil, thank you very much for All giving right. me the time. I'm sorry, I'm just not very coherent.
1: Because You're a grand, Phil. Thanks a lot I'm for taking deep my deep call. Deep You're deep. thinking of them, the misfortunes, and also thinking of those that possibly are still in there when when you were in there. Yeah, yeah.
6: Yes. Yeah. And how and can I just say one thing, Neil, please? Yeah. Um, see, I would kind of be fond and joking, you know, people who I could see were upset. And I had a saying and people that are listed, you know, in hospital, that I was at six different places. Um, Mother, shall I draw the drapes? And people listening out to your program this morning will laugh at that because there is a reason for it okay uh, and they just want, you know, something funny, something to take your mind off things that is about my life.
1: And you shared stories with them when you were in the train. right now, Yeah, good yeah, for you. That's it. Good for you.
6: So, mother, shall I draw the drink?
1: Okay. Well, Maybe. those that are in, those that were in there will remember you from that saying.
6: Oh God! All right, God. All right, God. Thank you very much Phil? Get some, for get for some food
1: into you and drink. Are you drinking right. water?
6: Oh, I am. I'm sick of drinking water. I ah, know. Have Not some, some food. Coffee. Water and going, then you have to go to the toilet.
1: Oh, sure. That's the downside to water. Tell me about it. Mind yourself, yeah. Phil. Thanks so much. Oh, Cheers. Okay, Neil. Right, and thank it. you very much. Lines open at one 104 That's that's shocking. It's very disturbing. Very upsetting. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six.
0: Text the Neil Prenderville show now. Oh eight six eight one
1: zero four one zero six. Red FM. A girl says here yeah, I couldn't go on with Neil when you phoned. I was due to come on, but I can't because I'm just so upset after listening to Phil's story that ward has to be closed the patients are not safe can you please give my details to Phil I'd like to be able to help her says she so we will pass on that information and clearly Phil is still very upset and very disturbed by what she observed and witnessed in that ward Uh, Rita good morning
7: hello you all right? kind of upset
1: I
0: know
1: I know that anybody be, that anybody would be treated how Phil has described is an awful scenario. But certainly the old and the infirm uh, who need our most care and our most respect—it's um, shocking. Were you were you um, were you in the in the in the hospital in May? I was, yeah,
7: yeah. I was in for nine days.
1: Were you in that ward?
7: No, I was on floor four. Okay.
1: And what was the experience like that made you so upset listening to Phil?
7: Oh God. Um they weren't very really nice to us, being honest. No. The older people were treated very bad. I myself I was I was in A and E for a day and went up to the ward on the second day and I was treated very bad. In what way? What way? Well, I was informed when I came home with a prescription that when I came home that I was on antidepressants, which I had never taken in my life. They were giving me antidepressants. I'm on sleeping tablets at home myself. They gave me half a sleeping tablet. So I was sitting on the edge of the bed all night. No sleep. I could never eat hospital food and if I'd ask him for a sandwich, they'd tell me the kitchen was closed so you'd get nothing. Um, I had to make my own bed, which I thought unusual.
1: You had to get out of the bed and make it? Like, what, were you given sheets to make it or something?
7: No, I, I was able to get up and walk around. And... no, you know, expect them to make your bed every day.
1: Well I don't know anything about that, but I certainly never heard of patients being asked to make their own bed.
7: No, I wasn't asked to make the bed, just wasn't touched. I had to make up my bed. Okay. To go to bed.
1: And were you in a ward with elderly people?
7: Yes.
1: And how were they treated from what you saw?
7: Oh God. So bad. How? So sorry for What did you see? They couldn't eat or anything.
1: So food would be put down. What would
7: happen? Yeah. If it wasn't eaten, it was taken away.
1: Were the people, the elderly people, incapable of feeding themselves? Yes. So therefore yes. they didn't get fed, you're saying?
7: Yeah. And one in and out, God love us, changed in the morning, wouldn't get changed again till that night. Oh, it was very bad. It
1: was heartbreaking. I cried all the time over them. So, yeah, yeah. And the same nappy all day? Yeah,
7: yeah. Serious.
1: Yeah. So people could be hungry then and nobody would help them to eat because they couldn't feed themselves. They would go hungry and the food would just be picked up and taken away untouched. Yeah. And would anybody say, why didn't you eat it?
7: You'll be, no, no, no. I got to the stage, I was afraid to say anything because I felt, you say anything, you're going to be punished. But I felt I was being punished all the time after.
1: So this is, Phil talks of this sense of fear in the ward.
7: Yes, yes, especially with me as well. I was so afraid of that.
1: Why were you afraid?
7: Because they weren't nice. They weren't very nice stuff.
1: Were they abrupt, is it?
7: No, you could ask a question, you wouldn't get an answer. And every time I got a tablet, I'd always say, What are these for? Because they were completely different to the ones I have at home.
1: You wanted to know what you were being given?
7: Yeah, and I was never told. And they never answered me.
1: As in, they didn't respond to your question at no, all.
7: Just no. Just silence. No. Just silence. Okay. And there's. She came in and she said, Take this tablet. I said, What's it for? Your heart rate has gone up. I said, Nobody came to me about my heart. Just take it.
1: Yeah. Um why would you be given an antidepressant prescription going home?
7: I don't know.
1: Were you in like were you them. in for depression issues or were you
7: No, I was in with an infection in my foot.
1: And why were like what was the antidepressant, do you know?
7: I know the name of it, yeah. And what was it? Well, my my chemist didn't even hear of it. They knew nothing about it. Trazodone. 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 Yeah.
1: Is that an antidepressant?
7: Antidepressants. Up to the appointment after I'd been in the hospital, I asked a nurse what was the tablet, and she told me apparently you were on antidepressants while you were in the.
1: And you didn't know.
7: No no
1: that's very worrying it
7: is yeah
1: are you still on that tablet
7: oh geez no no no
1: the minute you found out know. what it was
7: Maybe What it looks like or anything I don't know okay
1: you went to the chemist they told you what it was and you didn't take it
7: they didn't even give them to me because they said they would never heard of them they had to look it up okay <laughs> Honestly it was so bad up there and then they stopped talking to me and in the end I just told them uh, what kind of farm do I need I'm getting of here I thought I was walking out
1: You see, this would be very upsetting for other staff members of the CUH in different wards. This would be, I'm talking about nurses, orderlies, porters, doctors, those that are really, really kind to patients, you know. We often hear of, you know, the nurses couldn't have been nicer. So it's very upsetting for them when they hear stories then of specific wards where they aren't kind.
7: No, they weren't kind.
1: And would there ever be any conversations between the staff, you know, given the time of day or having a chat with the elderly people?
7: No. Okay. No, Nothing
1: no. like that. Okay. Did you feel I as the
7: other if. The lady was on about stuff being thrown on the floor, the dirt on the floor, and this ward was desperate. <sighs> it was a real dirty place.
1: So you'd be worried for elderly patients then? Yeah. The way they're treated? Yes. As if yeah. they're just a nuisance I or a burden, is it? Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right, I know you're still very upset, Rita. Thanks for coming on the air all the same though. I appreciate it. All right, mind yourself.
7: Okay, thank you. Take care,
1: Joan. Good morning.
8: Hi, Neil.
1: I'm really concerned about a lot of different aspects of this, including giving somebody an antidepressant while in there. Anyway. What have you got? What's your story?
9: Well my mother is presently in Ward 1E.
1: How's she getting on? Not good. Not able, good. Are You able to um, go in? My
9: mother I'm sorry.
1: Are you able to go in?
9: Yes, for 15 minutes in the evening from half past 6 to half past 7. Everybody is allowed uh allotted 15 minutes and they can go in during that time. But I would like to get in there more because that is not a nice place to be.
1: You're saying that because you're you you've been in there and you've seen it.
9: I have indeed, and still going in there. What, I was there last night.
1: And what do you see? Just talk me through it. Your feelings.
9: My feelings would be certainly the staff, they're certainly not caring. And everything seems to be wanting to be done in a hurry for some reason. Um, on my first experience in there about uh, three weeks ago, I was coming out of the ward. And there was this lady in a corner and there was a screen around her. And she was shouting for help. And I wasn't going to pass her. I pulled back the screen and I said, can I help you? So she said, I'm sitting here on a commode for the past 20 minutes. Now, they said they'd be back in two. She said they always say that, but they don't come back. So naturally, I was upset because she was a nice lady. So I went looking for help. And I came across this nurse or a carer now, I can't remember. And I told her, I said, there's a woman in that ward, I said, and she's shouting for help. And she shrugged her shoulders, this person that I spoke to. She couldn't really care less. But I said, look, I said, she needs help. And then she went in. But I more or less had to implore upon her that this person was in trouble. Unreal. Yes. And my other experience would be coming out of the ward when it's time to go. And um, I witnessed on one side of me. Uh, one nurse in particular, and she's standing up against the wall, arms folded, in a very kind of a threatening manner. And the other one, at the other nurse at the other side of the ward, in, in, the, in the same position, another threatening manner. And further up, two nurses scrolling through their mobile phone.
1: While on duty?
9: While on duty, yeah. I just cannot... Believe it. What's going on? And I'm only in there for fifteen minutes in the evening.
1: Phil was a patient shame. there. Phil was a patient there for twenty four hours. Are you more concerned now, having heard what she witnessed
9: while in a bed? I am very concerned. I am very concerned. Very, very concerned. And on one occasion, when I was coming out, another evening, there was this carer, and she was going in to get my mother ready for bed. And my mother kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said, I said, why, why are you sorry? She's always saying she's sorry. I now think, is she in fear? Is that why she's saying she's sorry? For putting him to the trouble?
1: Why was she saying I'm
9: sorry? Well, this is it. Why? Why is she saying she's sorry? She has nothing to be sorry about.
1: They they feel as if they're a burden or a, or, yes. a, or a nuisance yes. to the staff. Yes. Yes. Why would they be made feel that way? Well, why, why? Why? But I would have thought it would have been a ward like a geriatric ward would have the most qualified, the most trained, uh-huh. the most compassionate uh-huh. medical staff.
9: Uh-huh. They are not compassionate. And certainly not caring.
1: I mean, is it a d de- like a? Is it a step down to care for patients in a geriatric ward? Perhaps
8: it would seem so.
9: It would seem it's a lot of trouble to them anyway.
1: And have you had a conversation with your ma'am? Yes. And what yes. does she tell you about there?
7: She doesn't
9: speak about the staff, but I know she's not happy there. And I'm certainly not happy in leaving her there. And I wasn't happy from the start. And as a matter of fact, um, I, I usually come out most evenings completely and utterly total wreck, to be quite honest with you. And I usually I say to, you know, if I'm coming along the corridor and I see somebody that's also visiting, I kind of say to them, would you mind if I ask you, you know, what do you think of this hospital here? What do you think of the service in here? Yes. And one one man in particular said to me one night, he often wonders, is there anybody in charge in there?
1: This is an because elderly he, patient.
9: Yes, yes, yes. He often wonders, is there anybody in charge there? Because if you ask him for something once, you'll be asking them four or five times. Right.
0: Yes,
1: but we are talking about 1A, the geriatric ward.
9: Yes, that's where that's, we're talking okay,
1: about. Okay, yeah. and, you, and this woman was sitting on a commode shouting for help for yes. 20 minutes. Yes, others I, are I others are that. Others are yeah. left in the same nappy all, all day
9: and things like that. I wouldn't like to say that No, Neil. I'm only telling you what I saw.
1: You're just telling me um, what you witnessed.
9: Yeah, um, what I witnessed. And the staff are not nice.
1: Is it clean in there? Is
9: there a smell? I, I never got a smell. I never got a smell, I have to say. It appears to be clean. It appears.
1: Okay, yeah. Maybe that's at visiting it's, time.
9: Yeah, yeah, that's in the evening. Maybe the cleaning is done during the day.
1: Would you say that your mother is in fear? Um if she keeps on saying I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
9: Yeah, an element of fear, I suppose. An element of fear, yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you know if if elderly patients in a geriatric ward are automatically given tranquilizers?
7: Oh gosh.
9: I don't or
1: some kind of a sedative so that they sleep. Do you do you know? You don't know if yeah, you more... probably
9: are. Yeah. They probably are. Yeah.
1: Do you do you know if your mother could well be on an antidepressant tranquilizer against her knowledge?
9: Well, I'll certainly be inquiring about it now after what the other lady said.
1: Triazolam
9: is one in particular. Never heard. Triazolam. Never heard of okay. it. Okay. But certainly, I will inquire about it. Check it out. Yeah.
1: It. Ask anyway. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, John. Well,
9: I would just I would just like to say that what that lady said, the first caller. Phil. She is correct in what she said there is an element of fear there
1: Okay, thank you for sharing appreciate it.
9: Bye.
7: So
1: um, one of our callers there referred to leaving the hospital with um, a prescription for an antidepressant and when she asked what it was, she was told by a nurse that you were on an antidepressant since you were in here, a tranquilizer she said that was triazolam um, and it uh, is an antidepressant, it's a de- uh, tranquilizer, um, it's a benzodiazepine uh, and it's similar to those that would generally be used for sedation or to treat severe insomnia. Um, but it's due to, uh, well, look, this isn't this, this is relevant, it just goes into the dosage, but thank you for it Brenda. Apparently it is uh, a depressant tranquilizer um, with benzodiazepine derivatives, Generally used as a sedative to treat severe insomnia. So uh, I won't say any more about it than that, but I'll leave it to your own imagination. Uh, lines open at one 104 four, one hundred six. Yes, you're right. I didn't. see I, I may have said an antidepressant earlier on. Trasylum is a sleeping tablet, not an antidepressant. A sleeping tablet. Would would it be the case that all those that would be in a ward like that would be given, whether they knew it or not, um, sleeping tablets? Like one caller came out with a prescription for it, having never been on it on it before she went into into hospital. Uh, can I take an ad break, if you don't mind? And we'll come back after that, and I hope Anne can hold on.
0: The Neil Prenderville
1: Show, on Twitter, at NeilRedFM. And calls like this, or texts like this, always make me end up feeling as if elderly people are those um, needing our care as geriatrics. Um, aren't treated well at all in this country you know um, i think we saw with primetime investigates certainly with regards to some of the nursing homes and the residential care settings they visited um, having been in many of them many of them over the years uh, i have to say on a personal note i think some of them can be very very uh, good but others not so good uh, i think you can be lucky or unlucky unlucky with the residential setting or the nursing home that you know a loved one might be in or you may be in yourself it's a bit of a lottery um, I'm always quite sad visiting them, visiting them down through the years because uh, I often see many people just literally just sitting around, um, looking vacantly uh, into space, and I'm thinking, oh my God, it's so sad um, after such a long life for this to be a situation that somebody might find themselves in. I'm not making any comment at all as to whether the staff were unkind or, or kind or, or whatever. I just think that, that some of them are quite sad and depressing uh, establishments and i've visited many of them uh, over the years and and i have to say for me personally it, i i wouldn't want it to be an option uh, i would prefer to just you know slip away quietly rather than a, and i not being disrespectful to anybody that has loved ones in residential care settings uh, or nursing homes i wish them all the love in the world but just on a personal note um you know having been to many of them over the years i find them quite sad um I'll just take a call from Anne and I may have to pick this up after 11 again. Anne, good morning. Good morning. So this wouldn't have been the CUH, CUH geriatric no. but it was the Mercy geriatric
8: ward. Yes, yeah. okay. it was. Um, I was in a few weeks ago. I had an accident. So um, I was put up onto the ward. I'm not going to name the exact ward but there was an elderly lady next to Would
1: you be, be my... in a geriatric ward because, yes. because of your age, is it?
8: No, I'm in my late 30s.
1: So why would you have been in there? Because I
8: had a broken pelvis. So that's where I was put.
1: In the geriatric ward?
8: Yeah.
1: Okay, doesn't make any sense to me, but
8: I don't know. Apparently that's where I had to go because it was an old person's injury that I had.
1: Okay, that explains so, it.
8: Right. Yeah, there was a, a lady next to me, um, very nice, so I was in the room with five other women, and she was repeatedly one morning asking two of the nurses for a commode to go to the toilet. And I kept telling her, in a minute, in a minute. Now, they were just kind of in and out and looking at charts and not too. like it would have taken two minutes to get the lady to commode. But in the end, the lady ended up soiling herself and the floor and the chair where she was sitting. And they had the cheek then to give out to her that she couldn't wait.
1: What in God are they doing dealing with people at all? To say something. I like
8: don't that. know. Now, it's the kitchen staff were bending over backwards for everyone. Like hats off to the kitchen staff. They cut, They were doing more than what their job is. But no, it's not all the nurses there. It was just three particular female nurses. There was a male, young male nurse from the UCC. He had the ward running like clockwork. They just had no respect. Even myself, I felt as if I was a burden on a ringing The the bell, just so someone could help me because I had no no movement down my leg. So I couldn't get in and out of the bed without help to use the toilet. And all I felt when I heard that lady say that her mom kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All I was doing was repeating that myself every time one of the nurses came up to help me out of the bed because I felt I was annoying them.
1: Okay, ho- hold on there, will you? Because there's parts of your story that I just want to kind of rewind and backtrack on after 11. Text 0868 104 106. We'll pick it up with Anne after 11.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red.
1: Okay, we'll pick it up after 11 o'clock. On a lighter note, though, just ahead of the news, please get Neil to say hi to Mary, who's on her way to the doctor. Funny thing is, she's in love with Neil. She has a framed picture of him in the house and none of her son, says Finn. I hope that's true now. I hope that that's true. I'm not misrepresenting the lady, but uh, good luck at the doctor anyway. You know, talk of health-related issues, just hearing this morning um, that there has been a confirmed case of COVID-19 within Skolvried Eglantine on the Douglas Road. Um, And the parents of students at that primary school have been contacted by the principal who's saying to parents this morning, I'm ready to inform you that we have a confirmed case of COVID-19 within our school community. I've been engaging with the local Cork team of Neffet. I have contacted all the relevant families at this point and they've been advised, uh, if I've not contacted you by phone, please call uh, please send, um, if I haven't given you a phone call, please send your daughter to school as normal tomorrow. Our school will be open for all classes as normal. So that's as much as I know. I don't know whether the class where that case proved positive were all sent home or not. I'm sure that that's a developing story. And if I can update between now and midday, I will. But that's from uh, Skolv Reid Eglant. hearing of a, a confirmed case of COVID-19. Within that primary school.
0: 104 to 106, Red FM. This is the Neil Prendeville
1: Show. Um, I was way over the weekend, so I didn't get an opportunity to actually watch a a show that I just wanted to bring to your attention before we go back to calls uh, about how you should care for people who are in need and people who are invulnerable. I'm referring to uh, the uh, Brennan Brothers show, At Your Service. This was a specific episode of it called at your service to the rescue where the Brennan brothers went in to cork penny dinners, I believe in 2016 uh, and they completely revamped and rebuilt uh, penny dinners. Uh, Katrina Toomey, who heads it up with all of her staff and all of the volunteers there uh, literally had to um, move out when the Brennan... But what amazed me about this show it was 60 minutes long and I thought it was some of the finest television that I think RT have put out in years... Uh, because we got to see the workings of penny dinners we got to um, hear the stories and the life stories of those who use it there was one particular girl with a young daughter and her her partner and she was trying to be a she was trying to qualify as a a veterinary nurse and she was literally sleeping under the shaky bridge uh, because she was separated from her family her daughter and her her partner because they were up the country somewhere And she'd be down here and she'd stay in UCC until half past one in the morning studying. And then she'd go to the shaky bridge and sleep until six o'clock when uh, the gym would open and she'd be able to go into the gym for a wash and a clean up and then go back. I mean, it was was an awfully sad story. One other fellow was a a builder who was making big money up in Dublin. Uh, And of course, uh, unfortunately, he took to the drink and the drugs. Uh, lost his partner, lost his children and ended up down here in Cork. I mean, the the life stories were incredible. But the amount of companies here in Cork and around the country, I was watching the TV show last night, that actually gave of their time and their services and gave equipment and, you know, like helped to revamp the main area where people would sit down to eat and, you know, put in a cold room and they ripped out the entire kitchen and rebuilt the whole thing so all of this on a voluntary basis and free um, I think McCroom Motors gave them uh, uh, sponsored a van so literally penny dentists could go about collecting food in different establishments that would give it to them because up until then they were using their own cars I mean, it was an incredibly you know very moving show actually but unbelievable kindness out there particularly from the businesses who came on board to help Katrina but Again, and then, of course, they, they opened the, the pop-up shop on Washington Street for the Christmas, and that was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can watch it on the player. It's well worth watching, because um, we moved to tears, actually, when you think of you know, uh, the things that we complain about, are the things that stress us out. You know, we should all be very grateful for what we have, but it showed the work the Penny Dinners do to help the most vulnerable. Unfortunately, we're not hearing about helping the vulnerable this morning, those that need the most care and attention, and one word springs to mind, really, at the end of the day. It's all about respect, isn't it? Respect for the elderly. Uh, so I ran out of time there with the, with Anne, who was describing the geriatric conditions at the Mercy, and she joins me again by phone. Anne, I can't get out of Hi. my head that, that woman um, who literally soiled herself in the chair. Like, if I want to go to the loo, I have to go now, you know?
8: Yeah.
9: So I why don't... would
1: they think that an elderly person who needs help with something as private as that can actually wait.
8: I really don't know because she was immobile. Like, it's not like she could get up and go herself. She, they had to lift her in and out of the bed and things like that. And just, they were very rude, obviously, when they were cleaning her up and stuff. and What, did they, s- what like, did they say? They were just huffing and puffing, like, oh, you should have just waited and look at the mess now you've made. And like, the curtain was drawn around, obviously. But... I I was going to say something, but I didn't want to embarrass the woman.
1: Look at the mess you made. We'll have to clean all that. When really, firstly, they should have come to her aid straight away. And secondly, then they should have been kind and sympathetic to her.
8: They should have. And not only that, but um, I found myself a major uh, communication barrier because they're English as well. Um, just trying to converse, you know, speaking. Um, there, the, to the them. nurses'
1: English wasn't good, is it?
8: Yes, these three nurses that I was dealing with our ward.
1: What language were they speaking? Do you know?
8: Oh, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I don't know, but it was very broken English, very broken. So, you now they had to have understood her. Like, everyone knows what a commode is. And she made it very clear she had to go now. But just in general, just even myself ringing the buzzer, 10, 20 minutes, half an hour, and then they'd come down like, what's wrong with you? Well,
1: they wouldn't say it like that.
8: Oh, yeah. What's wrong with you? Um. I need help getting out of the bed, please. And I'm sorry for calling you. Um, I just, I, I, I had to get out of there. Like, I wasn't supposed to go home for another four or five days. But I said this to the doctor and this is, you know, I, I had to get out of there for my own sanity. You know, I had the option I was able to go home and rest.
1: When you said it to a doctor, what did the doctor say?
8: He was just like, no, do you know, we prefer you would stay. And I said, I can't stay here. I said, do you know, mentally, and I said things I'm seeing and hearing. And he was like, What do you mean? And I said it. And he was like, Oh well, they could have been busy. Well, fair enough. Uh, I see, like some older people would be, like younger toddlers. You need to go. You need to go. Simple as. Like I Phil said feel much very, earlier on that right.
1: very, very elderly people all, 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 almost regress back to a baby.
8: Yes, that's, You know, I don't want to be being rude to some elderly people, but they do. Yeah.
1: You know. And look at the I amount just, of care and attention that we give to babies.
8: Exactly. Do you know, this woman, now, if I could have gotten out myself and helped her, I would have. But, you know, I can't. I could barely walk at the time. Even just for me to walk across the room, just to go to the toilet, was torture. Do
1: you but feel like, as if those in the beds were just a nuisance and forgotten about?
8: I, from certain staff on the ward, yes, I did.
1: But when the kitchen staff would come in or catering, things changed.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a lovely lady, I didn't catch her name, and she made sure everyone was okay, and there was another lady straight across from me and she had a big operation and she was just telling her, you know, I've called the nurse I need pain meds, and you know, there's nobody around, and we were kind of had to stay to our rooms because obviously we weren't allowed to walk the corridors just in case of the COVID and things like that. Where so
1: we were the where were the
8: medics? Up at the nurses' station just all standing around. Doing what? Chatting. Now they had files and stuff in front of them but laughing and joking and things. Now obviously they were probably getting work done. Now, I remember the day I was leaving myself, um it was about seven in the evening and I hobbled up to the nurse's station and I was standing there while there was three nurses talking and two of them got up and just walked past me. Now I'd be the type of person that I wouldn't interrupt, especially, you know, if they're talking and it's important and it's got to do with work. Um, but I was just left standing there and I said to say to the nurse and I said, sorry, she was late, yes, what's wrong with you? I'm like, um, I just need to know, you know, where's my discharge letter? And so she's like, oh, I don't know, what's your name? They're just very, like, You wouldn't speak, I wouldn't speak to an elderly person like that, or I wouldn't speak to anyone like that. Now, fair enough, they were probably under first pressure and things like that, but there was different areas. But did it look to you as
1: if they were under pressure?
8: No, not at all.
1: So then why would you say that they were under pressure?
8: I'm just saying they could have been, but not that I could see, like, you know, if people are under pressure, they're obviously going to be running around and they'll be... You know, conversing with people and patients and things like that. But Sounds to me this so morning well.
1: we have a serious problem with the care of the elderly in Cork.
8: Oh, definitely. I've seen it now. I have another case and I'm not saying this it. It's just a relative of mine had an accident back in March and she really injured her leg that it needed to be operated on, the bone, and she was moved from one hospital to another for a few weeks. She was supposed to go to um, respite because um, she was completely immobile, she's well into her nineties, and she was sent home.
1: What kind and of then, care would she be getting at home?
8: She has some care, and she has a home help, but it's twenty-four hour care this lady needs. And the doctor signed off, and it's saying that the consultant um, there has been the local. Um, Health nurse boss in the area has come out and said yes. You know she shouldn't have been discharged from the hospital she was in. She should have been put into respite. So now at the moment, the people that are caring for it as a family member and a friend of the family are trying their best to get her into a care home. But I wonder. You know, do they know? Do
1: they know that they can rely on family to step in? I wonder.
8: Well, I know the lady that's minding her. Her health isn't the best herself. Okay. And you know, it's it's. I've seen it firsthand. Like the lady that's minding her, her health is deteriorating, and her mental health is. because, as she said, it's like going back to minding a baby. Oh. You're getting up every two and three hours during the night, making sure they're dry, and um, lifting them out of the bed bring them over to the chair, lifting them back and on and off the mud. It's two people have to do this all the time. Well, there's apart there, from the
1: physicality people. of it, I understand what you mean by that, but really yeah. it, it is important that family, if they can be there for loved ones when they grow older and firm or need help, it's yeah, important no, for families
8: a family too. member there. Yeah. But, That's um, because
1: we need to we need to be there for our parents. Yeah. Or you know,
8: It's important. You no, know, but the family member, like obviously okay. it's okay. male, and when it comes to certain things... They can't I know do that and the, the lady won't leave them, you know. So That's she's so still upsetting. very, you know, a bit of pride in herself and stuff, but it's it's desperate, you know. I've seen it. It's, it's desperate. You know? um,
1: there it was a nurse got in touch, uh, an ex-nurse who says, there is no excuse for bad care by anyone. Questions no. that maybe you can get answers to are perhaps, are the staff burnt out? Um, care of the elderly uh, on wards, ...that are chronically understaffed have rock-bottom morale. Staff get sent from all over the hospital at short notice to these wards. Um, The 12-hour shifts are far too long for these wards. I once heard of a ward with 35 patients and three staff. Still, there is no excuse for bad care, but continual understaffing is what leads to the low morale... ...and huge stress for patients and staff. How would you respond to that? Is that a a good enough excuse?
8: Oh, I completely agree with that. But there was another day, there was a young UCC male student nursing and he had the whole ward running like clockwork. And he couldn't have done more for everyone that day and the other staff members that were there with him. This is what I'm saying. It's only a small few.
1: Yeah, but they are in very important positions, this small few.
7: Yeah. Like yeah. if one
1: guy can have it running like clockwork... And then the others are standing around chatting.
7: Yeah, I said it
8: too. I'm not going to mention the boy's name. I said, you know what? I said, you're a blessing. I said, you're like an angel for these women. He was in and he'd sit down and he'd talk with them and listen to them instead of at the end of the bed, yeah, 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 in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. So same word, same patience. Just a different
1: nurse. Different nurse and different results. Okay. Yeah. Th- thanks, Anne. I'm I'm going to no get some more calls in the air, but thank you. That's the geriatric ward at the, at the mercy. Trina, good morning.
8: Good morning, Neil. How are you?
1: I'm very grateful that you waited as long as you did. And I'm very no sad problem. to hear that your dad passed away um, in the CUH. You described the treatment as horrendous.
8: Horrendous, Neil, is the only way I could describe it. Um, my dad spent his last week in the CUH. Um, he was diagnosed with myeloid acute leukemia maybe just over a year before that. Um, and he was receiving treatment in the Dunn Manway Day Centre. Mm-hmm. And the treatment there, and it was just outstanding, Neil. They were absolutely brilliant. Um, they were like family in the end, you know, they were so good.
1: He'd go in for his bloods and things like that.
8: Yeah. He'd go in for his bloods and he'd go in. He was getting injections for a week, once a month. And he'd have to get platelet donations and blood donations as well to keep him going. He was in palliative care, basically. Um, what he had was never going to be cured, but it was just buying time, you know. And um, what was
1: it like near the end then?
8: It was, it was horrendous. I mean, Dad would have been a very healthy person. He was only 68 years old when he passed. Um, healthy all his life, never drank in his life. Um, kept going right up to the very end. Fought just like a tiger, but I dropped him for his usual bloods the week previous to he passing away. I dropped him at the entrance for the daycare center, and he went in. And that morning, I kind of thought to myself, "God, he's really low today." You know, he was going to lack slower than usual. And normally, when he did get his blood and whatever, it would you know build him back up again, and he'd be good. Yeah. Again for another while, so he would like the the way it worked was you drop him for the day and collect him in the evening. Yeah. So evening was coming near and my mother, she'd be a bit like, she'd be kind of psychic, you know, she'd always know if there was something wrong. And she said, your father's later than usual today, you know. So she said, I better ring and see what's happening. So she rang and one of the girls in the daycare unit said, look, you know, he took a turn. So we were totally, we hadn't a clue. Probably wouldn't have known only before we rang because they didn't ring us. So, panic stations we all got together I, I have um, three brothers and four sisters living um,
1: do they have a, a number on thought. file to call a family member or anything you know? sorry but they have not had a, a phone number on file to call a family Oh,
8: okay. they would have had my number anyway and Dad would have had his phone with all his numbers in it because as I say I would drop him and collect him
1: Okay, anyway, so he, he, you know? he took a turn and they moved him then, is he it?
8: He took a turn. Now, I had been, I went up after that because they said he would need a bag. So I went in and he was inside having treatment and he was asleep and I said, I won't wake him. I will just I just touched his hand coming out and I said, sure, you know, I'll see him later. Thinking no more. But we went up anyway that evening and we were going up in the lift. He was in the acute medical ward, which is above the A&E. Okay. And we were in the lift and we were caught thinking the worst and the phone rang and it was dead and he said where are you? He said I'm here on my own all day so we were saying you know this can't be right he was I mean they told us it was only a matter of time more or less so that was dead he'd come back and he'd go and he'd come back and he'd go so we were quite happy to leave him that night he was very good he was inside eating a packet of Macado biscuits (laughs) and he's an awesome sweet tooth and he was happy as lar and he was coming home the following day and that was it so my brother had been working away at the time up the country we had rang him once we got the news that dad had taken a turn and stuff and if if you remember the snow on it and the ice was very bad I do, yeah Um.
1: two years ago he,
8: my, brother, yeah, my brother came back and um, just in case. So the following morning, my brother hadn't been that night, obviously, because he was away. So he went up the following morning with his wife and my sister. And Dad was in a hallway on the trolley now me and he was screaming in pain. And he just had a sheet over him and he was just, he they, they didn't even have a room for him.
1: He had never been in a room, even when he called you, was he calling you from a...
8: He had been in a ward when we went up just inside the door. He didn't have a bed or anything. And when my family went up the following day, he was just in agony and he was writhing. He was pulling the clothes off himself. He was in an awful way. And they had to fight and fight and fight for a bit of privacy just to put him somewhere that he'd have a bit of dignity.
1: This was happening to him on a bed in the corridor?
8: Yes, yes. So eventually they got a room and they put him in there and they gave him something for pain um, and settled him down or whatever. And he was eventually put into this acute medical ward. No, nobody was saying anything. I mean, we knew Dad was dying from the day he died. He was diagnosed, but we never knew when or we never knew it was so close. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway he was given a room of his own in the medical ward now as I say we were lucky enough there was a big family of us and he was never on his own Neil um, I would great to think if he was on his own because you were just left there you had to beg for everything
1: so if there had been no family um, or coming sons or daughters he, he perhaps would have remained on that bed in the corridor in
8: he would have been left I'd say he would have been just left there Neil it was just, it was heartbreaking I mean, obviously when the nurses would come to turn him and things, you know, now he was very alert kind of for the first few days he was in there um, and the nurses would come in, you know, to give him whatever he needed and they would ask us to leave the room. But on this occasion, we left the room. There was two nurses came in to look after Dad and right up to the end, he had, like, he walked for years all his life. He just loved walking and he... Right up to the end, he was getting out and he was going for a walk in the whole lot, but he asked them if he could use the commode. So my mother had explained to them before we left the room, you know, not to leave him on his own because his legs were actually gone at that stage, Neil. Um, and, you know, my mum had explained to the nurses that he couldn't be left on his own, so they just, they walked out of the room. They left him and we were longer than usual waiting to go back in. And eventually they called us, he had fallen off the commode.
1: Because he was left on his own.
8: Yeah, his head was destroyed. Cut. He was all bruised, big lump on the top of his head. He was just... It's traumatising. Traumatising.
1: So he suffered an injury then?
8: Yeah, and I mean, they wanted to, or they do a scan, and this, that, and the other. What was the point, Neil? You know, putting him through more suffering. He wasn't getting better. Do you know?
1: And and I I hate approaching the subject, but did did he die soon after?
8: He died three days after. Um, Now, after the fall, it was like they were just drawn to us like a magnet. They weren't apologising and they were so sorry and his consultant arrived the following morning and my sister... To be fair to her, she, you know, she said as long as our dad is here, he is to be treated like a human being till he takes his last breath.
1: Yeah. Because your belief was that up until then then, he wasn't being treated with humanity.
8: No, he was dying anyway was the whole attitude.
1: Okay. You believe that he was dying
8: anyway. I remember going up to the nursing station one night. Thankfully, I'd never see anybody die through sickness. And we didn't have a clue what was going on. And, you know, the way the breathing changes as time goes on and they're getting closer and, you know, we kind of panicked. He was kind of making noise with his and stuff. And I went up to the nurse's station and I asked, would, he, would she mind checking him that, you know, and to this day, Neil, I'm still waiting.
1: Nobody came?
8: No. And she was sitting at the desk and I begged her. I said, will you please come down and check?
1: What did she say? No.
8: Yeah, and that was it. And that was even an effort to say that.
1: And did he pass away th- at that point?
8: No, Dad passed away two days later. Dad and were you with him? Two days later. We were all there, yeah. Yeah, seven of us and my mum. Yeah. But even even after he had gone, Neil, um, you know, you don't want to leave, you want to stay with them. And there was a nurse come in, and you know, just matter of fact, if there's any valuables, you can take them with you. And the longer you stay, the harder it's going to be to leave.
0: That's very cold.
8: I just could not get over it. Now, for for my mother, my heart broke. She didn't deserve to be treated like that. <laughs> the doctor that came down that night to pronounce dead, dead. Um, she breathed in past us, never spoke. Um, came back out and the only words she said was date of death will be tomorrow as it's after 12 o'clock. That's what she said she to never, you? She never sympathised with any of us, Neil, and she never even acknowledged my mother.
1: <sighs> I mean, we
8: it, went home and the phone be... rang at half past one that morning. Somebody from the hospital to apologise that they didn't get to meet us before we left.
1: Why would they do that? Had you made it known you were unhappy with the treatment or something? No,
8: Neil, we were, we, dead was only after passing. We, we were home together sitting down.
1: The longer you stay, the harder it will be. The harder it will be. date me. of death will be tomorrow because he died after midnight. No, yeah, sorry for your troubles sir.
8: Nothing, absolutely nothing. I could not get over it. My brother, my youngest brother is 24 and he closed death. They so didn't even do that. Hard to, so to believe. Cold. That's the word, actually, so isn't it? Cold. cold. Yeah, heartless. And even when the day it was diagnosed. Diagnosed. Neil. He was diagnosed in a hallway full of people with my mother.
1: Um, when you say diagnosed, in in what way?
8: When he was diagnosed with leukemia.
1: G- going back along.
8: At, at the very start when dad was first diagnosed he was, he was told that he had leukemia
1: in a public area
8: in a public area in a hallway where there was other patients waiting to go in and they were handed a book
7: like
1: the floor must have opened beneath his feet when he heard that
8: Yeah, he it was coming up to my sister's second anniversary they didn't know whether they were coming or going and to be handed a book and told you have leukemia
1: You have leukaemia, here's a book, off you go.
8: Go home and read that.
1: Leukaemia is a very, very serious diagnosis for anybody to get.
8: Yes, now there's two types. And actually, when Dad went to the A&E first, when he wasn't feeling well, um, the doctor there, the consultant, had told him about there being two types of leukaemia. And hopefully he didn't have the acute one. And when he came home, he got a phone call from that doctor to tell him that she was almost certain it wasn't acute leukemia to be diagnosed with it after.
1: Yeah, it's the manner in which... I wonder, could there be any excuses made in the sense that they're working long shifts, they have dozens of patients to look after, and that over a period of time, they just become hardened to their job, you know, and that... They have so much going on and different patients to deal with that they um, unlearn compassion.
8: I don't know, Neil. I mean, you know, I think where you're at an end of anybody's life, no matter who it is, young or old, that you've no business in that job unless you have new humanity.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. And it should be that way. And it's easy for us to say that, but
8: why? I mean, like there was a man next door in the room next door. We could hear him screaming. And he was screaming for a long time, and there was nobody within his room.
1: Where were they all?
8: Down, down at the desk area. Now, obviously, they were looking after other patients as well. There was a lot of very elderly patients in that ward, but oh. it wasn't a busy ward.
1: Can't have as been busy there if they were no standing bustle or, and,
8: bustle yeah. and I mean, most of the patients were bedridden. Do you know? but it was the coldest place that we've ever been. Okay. We actually contemplated two days before Dad passed to just put him in the car and take him home.
1: Do you wish you had done that now?
8: It wasn't possible, Neil, because of what he had. You know, he wouldn't have made the journey. And, like, mam knew that and explained that to us, and we just didn't have a choice at that stage. <sighs>
1: I know it's a very personal thing to come on the air like you did and and tell the story of your much loved and beautiful dad, um, and yeah. I do I do appreciate you sharing. Um, very worrying.
8: It's definitely not a place to die anyway. Neil.
1: So I'm hearing this morning. Thank you, Trina. Appreciate you taking the call.
8: Okay. Thank you. Uh
1: Regina's standing by. So is Anne. But uh, neo has been waiting an age. Morning.
8: Good morning.
1: Um. You were saying that listening to some of the conversation was like listening to your mum's story.
8: It was indeed, yes. Absolutely appalling. Where? Up in the CUH. I'm not 100% sure of the date, but it's roughly three weeks ago.
1: Are you you talking about the geriatric ward?
8: No, ward 3A. Okay. Ward 3A. Can I firstly say, I can't give enough praise to the ambulance staff. They are absolutely wonderful people. When they arrived to my mother, they actually calmed her down. She went in with chest pain, not heart attack pain, but just chest pain and acids, I suppose, I've caused. And she was in hospital. And find out what they're treating her for.
1: Okay, it's not a great phone line. So the the paramedics put her in the ambulance and brought her to the CUH.
8: They did. And they said my sister could follow because her sight was poor. And she needed assistance. So luckily, my sister was with her, her night in A&E. And my sister brought her for x-rays. And 10 days later, they decided anyway, they were sending my mother home. But in the meantime, when we tried to find out what they're treating her for, they said they couldn't let us know under GDPR. We'd have to speak to a doctor. And unfortunately, visiting time is from 630 there are no doctors to speak to, so we had no information as to what she was treated for. She was put on antibiotics, and on the, the tenth day when they were sending her home, her heart rate was low, her blood pressure was high, and they said there was no. They were after trying everything under the sun. I was there that day. They tried everything under the sun. There was nothing more they could do for her. So we asked for her X-ray results. There's no record of any X-rays. We were told. She never had
1: any X-ray. Um, were they? Did they say they were screaming out for beds? Was it?
8: They said, um, "Unfortunately, A and E are screaming for the beds. We'll have to let you go home."
1: But she we'll wasn't ten days in home. the A and E, though, was she?
8: No, she was in the ward. Right, okay. She was in a ward. She was in an ward.
1: Oh, A and E were screaming for beds to admit people.
8: To admit people. And
1: so she is, she is your, your mum elderly? Bed.
8: She is. Okay. Yes. She is very elderly and very unwell. So she was sent home. Four days later, we had to ring an ambulance. We couldn't tell them what she had been treated for because we didn't know. Nobody gave us answers. She was back in. They said that they needed to hydrate her. She was 12 and a half hours on a trolley in A&E on her own. And if a doctor finally visited. I can't understand why you can't have a doctor in A&E. Why is it called A&E? There's no doctor's. A doctor finally came twelve and a half hours later, and said, "You're ready to be discharged." And she said, "I can't go home. I haven't had the drip." And they said, "We'll give you the drip." And at half one in the morning, they told her they were going to ring her daughter to come and collect her.
1: Because so you couldn't, you, was, you couldn't go into the A and D because of COVID. No, things so she would have been not on her
8: own. the second occasion. We could on the first occasion, which is why she got her X-rays. Yeah. And but when you, my mother asked to use the bathroom. They were told, I'm on my own, I can't bring you. I'm on my own, I can't bring you. So my sister eventually kind of roared at them. Give me a wheelchair and I'll bring her. Like you said, when you need to go, you need to go. Not when they're ready, you know.
1: But why would somebody so, be on their own in the A&D? There should be lots of staff in there. There is lots of staff in there.
8: No, there's no one in there. They're all at the desk. They're doing, all at their desk. Doing what? Talking, having a chat.
1: But is it a chat now or discussing patients? Which is it? Because that's sure, I important. No,
8: I wouldn't be listening to them. I wouldn't be listening to them the 15 minutes I was allowed in there. My priority was my mother. The only time you saw a nurse was when you actually had visiting time. My mother would tell me. she. They came in at 6 o'clock in the morning to take her blood pressure and she'd seen no one all day long for 10 days. Like
1: At, at all? She'd seen no know. one at all?
8: No, no. There was a disabled woman, God bless her, across from my mother there was two in the ward and they gave her a commode to use and the woman couldn't get out of the bed it was appalling absolutely appalling
1: and like how did they how did they intend that woman to go
8: to the loo my mother pressed the emergency bell for her because she could see her trying to get out of the bed
1: your mother pressed the emergency bell for the disabled woman
8: because
7: she couldn't
1: get out to go to the loo
7: yes
8: yes
1: so your 15 minutes when you dash in there would be to make sure your mama's all right, get her to the bathroom and make sure she was comfortable. Your 15 My minutes... My mother
8: was okay to go to the bathroom. My mother was okay to go to the bathroom herself. But this lady across from her and she kept asking She had no visitors, God love her. She kept asking us to get stuff out of her locker to give her something to eat. It was appalling. And then a nurse would come in all bright and bubbly. Oh, isn't she doing great today? Isn't she doing great today? And she, they hadn't seen her all day.
1: Do you, no, you think that's just putting on an government. act then or something, is it?
8: Yes, I do. I do. God bless the ones who are very good at their job, but there are certainly 99% of the nurses up in the CUH who couldn't give a damn.
1: Ah, stop it. You can't say it. I'm
8: telling you now, you have no idea. You experience it, it is appalling. And I think all our heroes are gone back to Australia because we certainly have none up there.
1: None. No. Ah, but it's a very broad brush to say that 99% of them aren't kind well, or compassionate. Are
8: where are our heroes? How many callers have you had this morning? How many callers have you had? And you haven't even gotten to half of them, I bet you.
1: Well, I haven't even touched on the text, but I suppose if I started a program different to this this morning, asking for the good news stories of nurses and doctors who have been heroes and life-saving and kind to parents, I would hope to God that I'd get as many calls.
8: Well, I would too, but unfortunately, my mother's not one of them. Okay, okay. Yeah, like in the South Infirmary, she's screaming to go to the South Infirmary, the most beautiful hospital in the world. And they took out the A&E. And they send you up to the CUH without a doctor. Do you think that's right?
1: No, I don't think anything you described about what you witnessed in there is right.
8: No. And she went, like, to be be told, I'll ring your daughter at two o'clock in the morning to send you home. Like... And she hadn't even had the drip. Got no treatment. Do you do? did you, like, do do you get? People the, do people seem to get
1: point. the people seem to get the impression that that because people are elderly and ill that they're not they're not as important.
8: It's like they have no voice. They have no voice. There's no one to speak up for them. They're on their own. You know, it, like. I just think that, like, the manager of the CUH should look into this, really and truly. They should look into it. Because you can have all those staff standing around a desk and not checking in on patients. Just because you don't ring an emergency bell, that doesn't mean you don't want to see someone. You know, they're long days for people. There are no televisions. So they're sitting in the room 24 hours and they get two visits a day. That's no way to treat anybody. Yeah.
1: All right, Carl. All right. All right. Yeah.
8: All, right. Yeah. All right. Thanks well, a lot. You know, I hope no one else goes through this. You know, fight for your family. Fight for your parents. Because there's no one else... Ah, else yeah, but the fear, party. that's
1: right. But the fear is that we don't know what's happening when you're not
8: there. Exactly. And when we go to find out the information, the GDPR... Uh, sure. They can't give it to you. So they have that's to give
1: it they have right. to give it to her, a relation, they have to give it to a they son can, or a daughter.
8: She can't it There's nothing wrong with her mind All
1: right, okay. All right, that's about right. it. Thanks Niaof, cheers.
8: Thank you. Bye.
1: Regina, good morning.
2: Hi, Neil. Are you okay are to you?
0: hold on just for one minute? Just get an Absolutely. eye break. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Hold yeah.
0: No problem. Call the Neil Prenderville show now. 1850 104 106 Red FM
1: Okay. Can I just say apologies. Uh, I have a Vox from this morning's uh, Leaving Certificate results which I'm not going to get an opportunity to air this morning and thank you to Fiona Dunderman for providing me with the audio from the newsroom. Thank you Fiona. Uh, I will get back to it in the morning. There are many calls that I won't get you to, the, to this morning either which I will return to in the morning as well alarming and all as this morning's programme has been, it's important that people have an opportunity to share their stories Um, and I haven't even touched on texts which I will come back to also but just two, I only have time for two at this stage, hopefully I'll get to both. Regina good morning. Hi Neil Okay. I just
2: um, want to totally endorse everything that has been said anyway Prior to my call, because I went. It started
1: with Phil's observations in 1A, the geriatric ward at the yeah, CUH. The she said that ward. she would never go back and will die in her sofa on her armchair and before she'd ever go back. Yeah, okay.
2: I totally concur because I went through, well, my family went through six years of a living nightmare in CUH with my poor father, who had the misfortune to have to go in there over a period of six years. And from day one, it was a nightmare. Now, I know you're only dealing with the geriatric ward, but can I just say that really he was in a number of different wards and I found none to be better than the other. They were equally bad. Our experience from coming in the back door of A&E right to the point where he, his last visit was five months before he died and he had fallen, broken his humerus, and he was five weeks unattended, in the hospital, I happened to be away the week he fell and from the date I returned I was in the hospital and any of his prior visits, I was in that hospital morning, noon and night. I would not leave the man's side because there was nothing being done for him unless you shouted. And by God, I shouted.
1: Elderly man?
2: Elderly man. Not very elderly. 72 when it began. 79 when he passed. So it was seven years actually in total. But The last time he was in, he had taken a fall at home, broken his humerus, had gone in. I returned home. He had, no, he had the starts of dementia. He'd be very with it sometimes and, you know, totally out of it other times. So, you know, what he would say, sometimes you'd be saying, gosh, is that true now or isn't it? But, I mean, the stories he told me over the six years were horrendous. Hence, he was never left on his own, except when he was changed. And I would change him into his pyjamas and put him into bed.
1: Did you believe the stories? What were they?
2: I absolutely do. I absolutely do that um he was being restrained. Um sometimes he was out of me. he said the guards were here last night and they wouldn't let me um they wouldn't let me get up out of the bed. Um yeah, just uh, uh, he took away he'd be pointing to whoever would be, you know, kind of in question. He took away my um my breakfast before I had time to have it. Uh, it, it, just loads and loads of different things. I mean, I can recall my most horrific moment in there, it was when my father said to me, if I had go and I'd shoot myself. Could you bring in a knife? That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. We had to scream for everything in there. They put a sling on that <laughs> man and he had dementia. He kept taking off the sling because he thought he, he was in a car, that it was a seatbelt. I asked, I said, could you not give something that would strap his arm onto his body so that he can't remove it? Correct. No, no, we don't do that anymore. This is how we treat it. I said, "But that's all right. I said, if the patient has dementia. But, Correct. I mean, this man doesn't realize that this is to help him. He was meant to go down for surgery three times. I was up there at 7 a.m. each of those mornings for him to go down to surgery. They were humming and hawing. Three times we came back up from the doors of the operation theatre because it wasn't going ahead and on the fourth morning he was scheduled for surgery again I was up there at 7am I went in and here's my father sitting on the chair with what I had requested, a strapping around him that they had eventually decided to try five weeks later. I mean the man had gone through five weeks of agony. At one stage somebody, a carer, came into the ward and leaned on the man's broken arm so much so that my sister had to tag a label onto his shirt saying he had a broken humours. I had to scream for diazepam to calm him down because he'd get worked up. And I knew when he was getting worked up and I said, he's, he's picking off. He needs diazepam now because, he, you know, it, it, it'll go too far. You'd be waiting. They're correcting what they're saying about the nurses out in the station. They had no interest, no time for you. They didn't want to know about it. There was patients left there, country people, more often than not, who wouldn't have had people by their side during the day. They were just left to their own devices, and some of them were unable to do absolutely anything. They'd be put into a chair in the morning, Neil, and they'd be sitting in that chair. The dinner tray would be put in front of them, and the dinner tray would be taken away, and they wouldn't have lifted a hand to eat a morsel of food. I honest to God, it was a living nightmare, and I wouldn't put a dog in there. COVID why wouldn't, wh- why COVID wouldn't must be an answer to their prayers? Because there's nobody checking up on them now, because there's nobody in there.
1: <sighs> so, should we be worried now with no visitors?
2: Absolutely. Visitor? Absolutely. I, if, no matter what would happen, if my mother got sick now, I'd keep her at home rather than put her in there. I would not put a dog in there.
1: In any part of the hospital or in... in
7: any part, ...or no, an elderly
1: no. person that needs geriatric care, which?
7: Well, the,
2: the cardiac unit
1: seems... You still there? Okay, I... Yeah, okay, I don't know what happened. It just disappeared off the screen.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Are you still there, Regina? I am.
7: Your
1: dad. Your dad... When he asked you for a knife, did you not ask him Dad, Why are you saying that?
7: I did, I did.
2: I want to kill myself. I don't want to be in here. Can you get me out? Can you take me out? Uh, 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 trying to console him, then there was dad. No, it won't be long more. No, it won't be long more. And as I said, the five weeks that he was in there, because he was he wasn't able to walk or anything then, because his arm was broken, he was in the bed for five weeks. He had to go into a home straight from the hospital. And from that day on, from the day that man left, he went downhill, and he died five months later. And he had he never recovered from that. He never recovered. And I spoke with the orthopedic surgeon. I insisted they get him on the phone for me. And this guy, I don't know, he had an English accent, came on, and I bawled out at him. I said, "How dare you treat my father like this?" I said, "Would you treat your father like this?" I said. Three times we've been down to sur- for surgery. Three times he's been sent back up. The man is in agony. Well, you know, he said, we are the centre of excellence um, in orthopaedics. I said, well, listen, I said, I don't know how that could be. I said, because to- for anyone who would have to have spent a this minimum... of a stupid answer. You're not, the,
1: you're not the centre of, of excellence for orthopaedics if you're cancelling surgery after surgery exactly. after surgery.
2: And- if I've spent, as I said, more than oh, okay. six years in university studying and not know to put a damn strap around a man that has dementia.
1: And the misfortunate I mean, people who would have food, I'm very worried about that. They, can they not eat themselves? Do they need assistance? No. to?
2: Yeah, yeah. Some of them would need, need assistance. But they I wouldn't mean,
1: be given I mean, it. The food would be put down there like as if it's clockwork oh, yeah. and if you don't eat it, it's, it it's...
2: Left there like a dog. Left there like a dog. And if you can't eat it, too bad. There's nobody to feed you unless you have a family member with you. Nobody to feed you. Nobody to change you. Left there, on those chairs, they, those orange chairs, I, I actually, I'm having nightmares about them. There were orange and blue chairs. They were like, I don't know, they reclined in that. And what would and be going, What do you think? Do you ever
1: wonder, because I've seen that in, in some residential settings myself, what's going through a person's head as they sit there ignored all day?
2: Let me die. Okay. Kill me now, okay. I would imagine. I would imagine, as I said, it was just... Unbelievable. I mean, there was one, I was there, as I said, all the time. And I went out, there was a carer, caring for my father, meant to be. I went and took Dad to the loo. And I said to the guy that was meant to be caring, I said, I'm going to the nurse's station. I said, I want to speak to them about something. I said, Dad is in the loo. Will you keep an eye on him? Check him. So he was going through a bad stage at that point. You know, he wasn't very with it at all. I went down to the nurse's station to discuss whatever it was. I can't remember now at this stage. I came back. I looked at Dad's bed. No sign of Dad. I said where's Dad? So the man just looked at me. I opened the bathroom door and my father was standing inside the bathroom with not a stitch on him all the time while I was down there talking to the nurses. He hadn't got up off his backside to check on my father. I had to go in He came then, of course, naturally enough. I said, it's too late. I said, it's too late. I had to dress him and bring him back with the walker back to the bed and put him into the bed. And that was while he knew I was outside the door. Can you imagine what they're doing when they know there's nobody around?
7: That's heartbreaking. Can you
2: imagine what they're doing? I mean, I read his notes every single morning when I came in. I read his notes. I waited for them to do their own I questioned every single tablet he was on. I mean, to be honest, nobody should be in there on their own. And even when there's someone with them, they're really not cared for. You're caring for your loved one; poor they're man. not caring for them.
1: They're the poor man. The them. poor man. I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to stop for now. Um, and, I wanna, right and, and I want. And if I am cutting I'm you off short, your...
2: has been raised. pardon I'm very me. Glad it has been raised.
1: Okay. Well, listen. If there's anything you want to add to your conversation, I can talk to you in the morning. But if we if we're if we're finished, already, we're finished. Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: as I said, look, you know, it's just a, a disaster. There okay. needs to be a radical, radical change there.
1: Okay, it's important that people share because people need to know and it's only by talking that we can change things. My sincerest apologies to Anne. Your call, as they say, your call is very important to me and it's very important that we get it on air and we'll pick it up in the morning. So apologies, Anne. There's another Anne here waiting as well, and Michelle and and uh, anybody else that texts or get in touch We'll pick it up in the morning. Text 0868104106 and we overtimes. So have a good day. My apologies to the newsroom. I'll see you tomorrow.
2: Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out RedExtra.ie for more great Red FM content.